Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks conversation brought to you by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing Company. My name is David Quattrelli and this week I'm actually not joined live in studio with Chris Faber. In fact, he's going to be on this episode later. I'll explain the format of the episode later, but if you're here, you already know it's the Canucks, the voices of Canucks Twitter, but joining me now to break down training camp is boy genius Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Harmon, how are you doing my friend? I'm doing great quads. How are you, man? I'm doing very well. We had quite a time at training camp this week and quite a time at the scrimmage last night. I guess you'd call it the first real exhibition game that these t- this team has played against each other. And there was a bit of a moment in there that kind of sparked a little controversy. And that was Bo Horvat yelling at Jake Vertanen. And the mood in the arena when that happened, it was dead silence. It was in between a stoppage of play and nobody really knew what to do, including us. We were kind of just looking around and trying to figure out what happened because I didn't see it. You didn't really see it. And it was just what a mess. But I know I know you've got some good stuff about that one. So I'll let you go off there. Yeah. So uh, essentially kind of what happened was um, we didn't really see the hit, but it seemed as if uh, Bo was uh, obviously a little ticked off that uh, Jake hit someone from behind. I don't think it was too egregious or, or others would have noticed. Um, but then Bo sort of lashed out at Jake there, uh, threw a few F-bombs in there. And um, just given how quiet the arena was, the the words just kind of reverberated around the rink. And um, I think more than anything, it just caught us all by surprise uh, because we haven't really seen Bo um, in in sort of this really assertive, loud, vocal way before. But look, I mean, to 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 put put the context in perspective, um, we're talking about for Jake. It was a really frustrating exhibition game last night. Um, uh, played played a role on on three of the five goals against his his defensive play was um, he just didn't look right out there. Looked like a player who clearly hadn't played in months and. Uh, obviously, you don't want to read too much into training camp, but it was just a really rough go for him. And, and just before that incident, he'd actually had a clear-cut breakaway where he lost 
uh, the handle of the puck and didn't even get a shot off. So Jake was obviously a little bit ticked off before uh, the hit, and I think uh, Bo just sort of yelled at him, yelled at him to keep himself in check and, and keep his head on the straight way and not to um, go at one of his teammates like that. And look, I mean, to me, this isn't much of much of a story. Um, anyone that's played team sports before, you know that um, there are going to be situations where uh, you have a practice uh, or, or, or any kind of training. And uh, from time to time, someone might, um, you know, things get heated, heated, heated here and there, or, or someone uh, might not be in might might not be in the right right headspace, and um, that's where you really need a leader like Bo to kind of step in and um, and 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 sort of put Jake in in, in the right headspace or whoever. And to me, it isn't a big it it really isn't a big deal. Um, there's zero doubt in my mind that uh, Jake and and Bo have zero hard feelings for each other. This is just a captain, a, a leader trying to. Uh, again, keep one of his teammates uh, in check after what was uh, a frustrating, frustrating exhibition game. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. I think this is going to be something that you know is kind of brushed off because there's still a week left of training camp, and this team really has a common goal. Bo and Jake are going to be working together to really just go after a Stanley Cup, and that's what everybody wants. There was a little bit of flooding though at Rogers Place. I don't know if you saw that. That was uh, yeah, that was tough. I was actually talking to somebody from Edmonton who was talking about that and said, "Oh, that that part of the rink that you saw the uh, flooding at is just like a concourse for fans, and it's actually nowhere." near the rink like apparently you have to go up an escalator or something to get to the actual rink so i don't know the layout of rogers place maybe you know what i'm talking about yeah i'm not sure exactly where it was in the rink um that um that there that where that happened but um it's a massive arena so it doesn't surprise me to hear that it wasn't uh near where the players are going to be uh competing or anything like that and um obviously I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was the Oilers or, or someone from Edmonton. They put out a statement that uh, essentially said that it wouldn't affect uh, the return to play. So uh, that's at least some positive news there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, before we get to more news of the week and kind of breaking down what went down, I have to give a quick, quick rundown of the episode. So we're going to be having five conversations here. Faber refuses to ever miss an episode. He's told me he'll never miss an episode of this podcast. So we recorded three, three of the five conversations before he left for his friend's bachelor party. And funny story about that is his friend's name is Brendan. So when he was at training camp, he was telling Brendan Bachelor that he was going to Brendan's bachelor party. And Chris is the DJ at all of the parties and events he goes to with his friends. So he made a playlist and the thumbnail of the playlist on his phone is just Brendan Bachelor smiling and all of his <laughs> friends are going to be like, who the hell is this guy? What's going on here? So that's why Chris isn't here this week and why I'm joined by Harmon again. And it's going to be a lot of fun with these conversations. We've got five. We've got Clay, YJ, Young Judd, Mr. Booth, Azadeh, and Snoop making their podcast debuts, the last two there. I'm not sure what order I'm putting these in yet, but we'll figure it out and you'll quickly know. So let's figure this out and get into the news of the week. The big news, Harmon, is Jack Rathbone signing out of Harvard University. You know, you and I both knew the whole time that he posed a bit of a flight risk. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit between us. And I, I'm i I'm very happy that the organization was able to get this done. For sure. He, uh, when we did our power rankings at the Athletic for uh, the club's top prospects, um, he was uh, a strong number three there. And, and really after 
Podcoles and Hoglander and Rathbone, there's a a pretty significant drop-off to number four, who I think we had as uh, Cole Inns. So, obviously, one of the club's most important prospects, particularly given how uh, weak Vancouver is on the blue line and and how much help they need to rebuild a back end for the long run, especially when you consider Alex Edler, Chris Tanev, Tyler Myers, they're not going to be top four defensemen forever, especially um, Edler, his contract runs out next year and and just because of age and uh, injury history and and natural Mm -hmm. uh, decline that players face in their 30s, you need a succession plan for him and uh, so for the club to be able to lock up Rathbone, that's uh, a massive, massive sigh of relief for the organization. And um, he's someone who has definite top four upside. So uh, for him to leave Harvard again, you, you've seen a, a history there. You, you mentioned the flight risk. Guys like Alex Kerfoot, Jimmy VC, uh, Adam Fox, uh, all guys who didn't sign with the organization that originally drafted them. So uh, a, a unique circumstance there, and, and, and really, again, it's uh, a unique opportunity there with uh, with the CBA opening up that three-day window. And um, again, really can't say just how crucial it was for Vancouver to lock Rathbone up. Now, you and Tom did an article about a couple months ago. You and I were just talking about it before we recorded. It's the one where you look at the ceilings of the players and their low ends. So yes. when I ask you about Jack Rathbone... I know in the article you said Keith Ballard and Alex Goligoski is who you guys landed on. Keith Ballard being yep. the low end, Alex Goligoski being the high end. Do you want to just kind of explain where that thinking comes from with Jack Rathbone? Right. So let's start with uh, with the low end, sort of the Keith Ballard. And, and really, you've got to think about Ballard in his Vancouver days, right? You've got an outstanding skater uh, who can move the puck pretty well, um, add some offensive punch. But he, he's in the coach's doghouse because he, you can't trust him out there defensively and um, just, just prone to mistakes. And uh, so for, when, when I look at Rathbone's game, you see everything that you like from him in terms of um, offensive instincts. He's got a rocket from the point. Uh, again, phenomenal skater built to be a force in transition in the contemporary NHL. Uh, it's just a question of, uh, developing and rounding out his defensive game and, and also learning what, how, when and how to pick his spots, right? Because um, even offensively, he, he's very confrontational. He's abrasive, uh, which is a good thing, which is a good thing because it makes uh, the opposition, it, it forces, forces the defenders to have to react. And, and, and that's often what can break a defensive structure down. But at the same time, he does force plays here and there. He might force a pass. Uh, he might skate himself into trouble. Uh, and, of course, these are things that young offensive defensemen, uh, it's not uncommon to see out of them. So with Rathbone, if he doesn't develop that side of his game, uh, a low-end comp would be someone like Keith Ballard, right? You've got such enticing physical tools uh, and and just someone who the coach can't trust at even strength enough. And uh, so that would be uh, one outcome. And then the high end, of course, would be someone like Alex Golovowski, where uh, he can play uh, a prominent role at even strength. Again, transition is going to be the name of the game for him. And um, really, as a two-way play driver, he he's never going to be above average defensively. I think, especially when you consider the fact that he, he that he is a little bit undersized. But if he cuts down on his mistakes and you pair him next to a righty who perhaps has stronger defensive chops, um, I have no doubt in my mind that you'd be able to trust him um, in in regular second pair minutes. So. Uh, that, that's kind of my thinking there, Golgowski, of course. 
you don't hear his name a lot, but just uh, a veteran who's played, uh, who's got a ton of experience um, and built up one hell of a resume as a second pair defender. And I think um, that's the type of, uh, that's the type of sort of player you're looking at um, if if Rathbone can sort of hit his ceiling. And and that would be a, a great compliment behind Quinn Hughes. Assuming the Canucks don't go out and dip their toe into free agency, and the defense looks pretty much the same coming into next year. Do you think there's a shot for Rathbone to make this roster out of camp next year? Yeah, look, before I was a little bit skeptical. I mean, again, I, I watched him play and I said, like, he's a little bit raw maybe, again, in terms of his decision-making. And, and and maybe he just needs some time to feel out the professional game. I don't think the speed and pace of play in, in moving up to the NHL is going to be a concern, again, just because of how aggressive he is. Um, in all facets of play, he's a go-go-go player. Uh, pace of the NHL isn't going uh, to be a difficulty at all. Just again, whether he is someone you can trust defensively, especially I think like if you're going to have uh, Troy Stetcher potentially on a third pair, is Travis Green going to love having two undersized guys on mm-hmm. that bottom pair? Is he going to trust them defensively? And, and if not, uh, Stetcher, like who else would Rathbone conceivably play with? And uh, so to me, that's that, that's my concern. I think um, I think that's why, if I had to guess right now, I'd say I'd say he probably doesn't crack it, but it's not impossible. Like like I think he's going to make it a difficult decision. Uh, I, and and again, it's there's an opportunity there because you have Jordy Ben, who the club will probably look to move in the off season because that hasn't been a fit. And when you consider the club's cap situation, they could really use uh, a cheap. Uh, cheap, cheap options in, in just to fill out the rest of the roster on the fringes, and uh, so really, Rathbone's competition is going to be Oscar Fantenberg, who more realistically profiles as a number seven defenseman. So it's not as if there's a, a massive obstacle in front of him to earn a lineup spot. Um, but again, I'm going to be curious to see how he does at camp, right? Because mm-hmm. when you see a lot of these young prospects, I mean, I look back at Elias Pedersen. If you told me that he was going to come from uh, the SHL straight to the NHL, and, and play center right away. Uh, I would have, I would have doubted that too because Patterson hadn't played. He'd played wing all year in the SHL, right? So uh, it's it's just a reminder that uh, prospects can develop a lot in in a short span of uh, short span of months. And so while I think it's more likely than not that Rathbone doesn't crack the NHL roster right away, mm. um, I don't think it's a, an impossible probability either, given. Um, just the lack of competition and, and, and how much Vancouver would benefit from having a player on the on their ELC contributing on the back end. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, another guy that the Canucks were looking at signing to help out the back end, quote-unquote, is Nikita Triamkin. And this is a guy who, you know, we talk about him a lot on this podcast, and you and I have talked about him a lot. You know my frustrations with him. You know I don't think he would improve the team if he came right now. I think signing him for anything other than a, to be a depth option was a bad move. And I mean, there's a lot of people penciling him, penciling him in on the third pairing for next year. And I was, I was very vocal against that. Uh, you've seen my phone wallpaper when I drove you home from the ring class night. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sold on this guy yet. I'd love to see him come in as a depth option and earn that spot. I just don't think he's the defenseman that a lot of people in this market think he is. Absolutely, and, and you're right to have those concerns. And I think the biggest obstacle was the fact that, I mean, when you consider the option Framkin had in, in Russia and the KHL, 
Uh, he wasn't going to sign for anything less than, say, around $2 million on, on, on a show-me deal, even if it was going to be a one-year term. And for the Canucks, again, given their cap constraints, that's just not uh, a bet that they can realistically make on a bottom pair pair defenseman. I mean, $2 million for uh, someone on your uh, on on your third pair who can maybe kill penalties, that's uh, Jordy Benz situation again. And um, even if Trampkin did fulfill that rule well, it's just, the team needs to be really efficient in how it fills out the rest of its roster this coming year. And uh, again, Trampkin, even if Canucks management likes him, he's a luxury piece that they just can't afford to roll the dice on right now. And, and from my perspective, it opens up flexibility for the club to do a little bit more this offseason, uh, particularly as they look to try and re-sign Jacob Markstrom and Tyler Toffoli. So to me, uh, I think that was a wise decision there, not to press the issue, kind of see how it plays out. And um, we'll see. They own his rights for one more year. Again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not very bullish on him. I don't think he's going to be a top four guy. So I think you're really going to be incurring quite a bit of risk if you give him two million, two and a half million on, on a show me deal. But uh, again, I, I don't think this is the end of the saga. I'm sure we're going to be talking about it next year again. But um, I think it, it, the team needs the flexibility that not signing him opened up right like that if you took away two million more on top of that even after you defer half the performance bonuses that uh hughes and Pedersen accrued this year um it would have been a really tight window so yeah. uh you would have had you would have likely been looking at having to trade someone like uh a vertanen or a stetcher so to me i think that's another byproduct is stetcher has a much better chance of sticking around for next year and um i'm sure you know my opinion on him i think he's uh he's a solid sort of four or five option mm-hmm. um and so to me he's he's uh, he's a much more proven commodity i'd much rather spend two two and a half million on stature than i would triumph and so uh to me this is good news yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, especially on the Stetcher over Triumph can take there. Before we wrap up here, Harmon, I just want to get your opinion. You know, we just wrapped up the first week of training camp. Well, actually, I guess we're going to wrap it up tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, but who is, or if there's multiple players, who are the players that have stuck out to you this week? And who would you like to see more of heading into week two here? Yeah, uh, listen, I've coming into this year, I was, and I'm talking September now, I, I didn't really know what to make of Zach McHugh. Right? Like he'd done uh, really well in the AHL and um, you sort of watch his progression and he's getting better year after year. But I didn't know, like, is, is he a fringe NHL guy? Is he going to be an everyday player? And um, we certainly saw positive flashes as the year went on. And to me, when you compare what he looked like in his NHL debut for his first few games uh, last season in 2018-19 versus where he's at now, seriously feels night and day like there's a clear separation in my opinion between him and uh the likes of justin bailey uh, who i actually thought performed pretty decently but uh, if you compare McEwen to uh a bailey or cole lind right like or tyler grayovac i think McEwen just looks a lot sharper i think the details of his game are uh, are looking uh are looking like better like the first crack the lineup was he seemed a little bit lost in terms of his routes on the four check um, but now he just he looks like a natural. He's not making mistakes. He's winning pucks along the boards. Uh, you know what you're getting into, getting from him in terms of his speed and energy. Um, he's, he's become a lot more confident using his shot, uh, and and he's someone who's going to stick up those teams. Uh, so to me, he brings that sandpaper element. Um, he's really, I mean, you, you see it even on things like breakouts. He's a lot more confident accepting pucks along the wing and distributing through the middle. He just looks like an NHL player to me, and 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 so for him, I, I'm I'm really I'm really excited. 
Um, again, I don't think he's anything more than a bottom six piece, but um, if he can be that for a cheap price, I think uh, I think the club will be uh, in a really strong position. Um, aside from McEwen, I'm just trying to think of if if there's been anyone else. Obviously, Brock Besser. Yeah. Like he he has looked like dialed and ready to go. And um, to me, I, I was curious going in, like because we've seen now for a couple um, seasons since uh, since after his rookie year where he maybe has a slow start to the year, right? He doesn't have his legs under him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he struggles, it's because he's a little bit, uh, like the pace of his play is a little bit lacking in terms of his touches on the puck, um, his decision-making, whether to pass or shoot. But he just looks so fluid, ready to go. Um, his playmaking has looked excellent. Like in the scrimmage last night, springing Ole Ulevi with a 90-foot uh, typically pass in transition to set up a scoring chance. Um, there was another sequence where he, uh, again, Brock's not a great skater, but in the, he had the puck in the neutral zone. You used the quick first two steps to separate in the neutral zone, almost took it end-to-end, stopped up, and hit the trailer, which almost set up a tic-tac-toe goal. And, and to me, that's just prime booster there. He was just oozing confidence, um, using his body to win pucks uh, along the board. Uh, good step. Uh, just, just so much to love about him. He looks confident in every aspect of his game, and um, that's a really good sign because the Canucks are going to need him to be uh, a strong force to really take down Minnesota. Harmon, thank you for doing this, buddy. And now we're going to go to those conversations. So on the other side of the break, we're going to get to those conversations right after an ad from Parallel 49. Again, Harmon, really appreciate this, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, guys, before we go any further into the episode, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. You know what it is, Parallel 49 Beer. If you want to go out and try their newest beer, it's called the Tropicool. It is a smoothie sour that looks absolutely delicious, the perfect beer for the summertime. Uh, If you guys want to check out Parallel 49 Beer, you can get more information on their social media feeds. That's at Parallel49Beer. That's at Parallel49Beer. Or you can head right down to their location in East Van at 1952. Triumph Street. So go out there and try some of the delicious summer beers that's going to be coming up soon here for Parallel. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Support for Canucks Conversation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The water-resistant technology on the Lawnmower 3.0, which just launched in Canada, by the way, allows you to groom in the shower. It's perfect. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes and has a USB-mounted charger, so you can show off your perfect tool for your family jewels. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CanucksConvo at manscaped.com. Your balls will. Thank you. All right, guys, joining us now for the throwback episode of the Canucks Conversation. It feels good for me to say these intros again. It's been a while since I did these ones. Uh, but uh, getting back to another returning guest of the show, I'm sure he's been on more than, I'm guessing maybe the third or fourth time he's been on the show now. Uh, Clay Emo. Clay, how you doing today? I am great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Quads, for having me. And when you say throwback, is that a reference to my 46 years of, of life? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going off of a 15-year-old to the 46-year-old. So one of the bigger <laughs> leaps we've had on this show. 
It'll be sad when everyone figures out that a 15 year old knows more than the 46 year old. Oh no, we're we're happy to get you on Clay. Obviously, one of one of the Canucks fans' favorites out there. Uh, everybody loves you on Twitter and all your work and stuff. And actually, you know what? I just recently saw you um, showcased in the newspaper lately as like the Canucks fan, I guess, <laughs> representing us. Yeah, that was funny, man. Um, Globe and Mail guy, a reporter named Simon, uh, reached out to me way back in May, actually, when it started to sound like NBA, uh, you know, MLB, MLS, and of course the NHL were starting to talk about coming back. And he basically wanted my perspective as to what's it going to feel like getting back to the arena. And really good, really good. But then he sat on the story, or maybe the paper sat on the story for a while. But yeah, I was able to represent Vancouver and Canucks fans as to my excitement to getting back in the arena with proper safety protocol, of course, and that's stuff that I know you guys have been experiencing at the arena covering training camp. So, first of all, I can't think of anybody better to represent Canucks fans. That's <laughs> awesome that they chose you. But, Clay, I want to talk to you about that. So, what are you, what are your opinions here? Because, you know, we look at Rogers Arena, and I know you go to a lot of games, season ticket holder. You go to a lot yeah. of games, but usually, and I know you were still a season ticket holder during the down years, so maybe you saw the crowds of about 10,000, but usually we're looking around 15,000 at Rogers arena on any given night. And you know, you went through the dark years, you know, you know, the Jack Skilly years, you know, the Jason Magna years, you know that that building can get pretty quiet and the experience isn't quite the same. And I mean, Chris and I haven't really talked about this yet, but what's your take on that? Like, would you like to go to a game if say only 1500 fans were allowed in the arena? Yeah. Great question. Quads. Yeah, I would. Cause I, I would take, honestly, any opportunity to get in there. And it's kind of funny because I've seen footage from you guys and others of just how sparse it is in there right now. And even the media having only two people in a row, right? A couple rows apart. Yep. But I, I wouldn't care. Honestly, if I was the only one sitting in section 319, I would take that. And um, I, I just want to get in there. I want to support the team. And I, uh, I love hockey. I love everything about it. I love being there. Yes, you're right. Season ticket member for the past 10 years. But um, I, I think... My excitement comes not just because I want to be the only ones in the arena. It becomes, comes from the fact that I love this team. And I think Pedersen and Hughes, uh, I've said this many times, I've single-handedly sped up the rebuild. And I, I want to be a part of that. And I want to see it happen. And it's a shame it might not happen, you know, for until 2021 or later part of 2021. But, you know, that's uh, bigger fish to fry, right? But as a fan, no, I can't wait to get in there. It doesn't matter if there's 18,000 strong or 18 people strong. Most definitely. And, and it's something that we've talked to, you know, over the past couple of days, quads and I at training camp, we've talked to players about what it's like and what it's going to be like with no fans in the stands. But I'm wondering from a fan who's always in the stands, Clay, uh, what's it going to be like for you not being able to experience playoff hockey, I guess, in person? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So it's one thing to be in the arena and it's, it's kind of quiet and empty, as you mentioned, quads. But I think um, I, I'm very blessed, like in my own household, you guys know my eldest son, Sean, is only two years younger than and quad, so I know that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, he uh, he loves hockey. We'll watch every game together, and uh, uh, although he doesn't want to appear in any of my post game vlogs, and then uh, my son Jacob and daughter Kayla, maybe not so much, but my my lovely wife Gail, who supports me in all my efforts, she actually loves watching the game as well. She's not as knowledgeable as Sean is, uh, but I think at least the three of us will be watching for sure. Uh, if we're if we follow proper. Physical distancing um, protocol will have uh, friends over when it's appropriate. Apparently, uh, from my live streams, I'm supposed to host a viewing party. I'm not sure how that's going to work when I haven't met any of these people in real life. So I don't think that's the best thing <laughs> out, of a course, out of a course team. But um, in all seriousness, I, no, I'll be fine. We have a decent-sized TV, surround sound. 
I'll have my Pepsi and I'll be ready to go a lot cheaper than the arena Pepsi. And uh, yeah, I, I just can't wait. You know, even that exhibition game against Winnipeg, I'm going to be all over that. Right. And then um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for sure. But you're right. It's not going to be the same as being in the arena, but honestly, and a lot of people use this reason for not buying season tickets. It's more practically, it's easier. It's cheaper. You're in your own comfort, your own home. And uh, we're going to make it work no matter what. Most definitely. And we've seen, you know, some other sports leagues. I found the BPL, the British Premier League, was interesting how they they would cut to fans all celebrating at home when a goal was scored or something like that. Is there anything from other sports that you've seen that maybe the NHL should maybe look into to kind of include fans into the broadcast? Uh, That's a great question, Faber, because (laughs) I got a couple of angles. One of them, yeah, I've seen – was it one of the um, Asian uh, baseball leagues where they put – Korean baseball Yeah, Korean baseball, yeah. Yeah. They put stuffed animals in the stands, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> so I can see where physically um, I, that might look a, uh, aesthetically okay. They're not going to make a lot of sound unless you, you like puncture all of them at the same time. So I'm not sure what, what the point of that is. But um, I think, yeah, that's interesting you mentioned the BPL because I know that um, as a Canuck season ticket holder and uh, because I have no shame, I was asked personally to record some fan chants at home. And send them into the NHL, actually. Awesome. So I actually think, um, and I, I think I've started to see a couple of tweets about that happening throughout the league. I think maybe one thing they're considering is, uh, you know, cut, same thing, man, cutting away to fan chance for a penalty call or a goal or a close call or whatever it may be. I like, for some people, that can be very cringy, right? Watching on TV <laughs> for others. So if you're the one on TV being shown, you know, across. Uh, national TV, I, I think it's kind of cool, right? So I know my boys, they're in it with me for a couple of them. They, they can't wait to see it happen, even though we look like three dorks on the TV. <laughs> Is it going to be, uh, are you shotgun and Pepsis by chance, Clay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Sean, who, who, Sean turns, check this out, guys. He turns 19 on August 2nd, which, as you know, is day, game one against Minnesota. Wow. So, yeah, so he's hoping for a fun celebration. He actually promised he'd come on my post-game live stream with me as long as I take a shot with them. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. <laughs> I love you it. You guys know how well I do with alcohol. So. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. But, yeah, I think uh, um, it'll, be, it'll be fun. And uh, we, didn't, we didn't record ourselves consuming any alcohol. But I, um, it, to be a part of it, even to be asked, even if they don't use any of our footage, it was, it was quite the honor for sure. So I have to ask you, because I know you got the email with the prompts asking you what to do. For Canucks yeah. fans, was it included in there to shotgun a beer? <laughs> No, it wasn't. Oh, too bad. We were talking about that. We would have loved to see that. Just especially what you see. I mean, I guess you'll just have to tune into Twitter as per usual for that, uh, that those yes. festivities because those are oh, awesome. Great, those videos. Yeah, and I, yeah, you're right. I saw the one, the the tweet. Uh, sorry, the email that went out to Ranger student ticket holders, and that had more like uh, Ranger specific chance. But the one for the Canucks was only was go Canucks go, both with clapping and without clapping. So they're kind of kind of calm that way. Hmm. I gotta ask. Because I, I didn't see this, was uh was the Viking clap included? Oh no! Because I'm a huge, I'm very against this stuff. <laughs> We're all against it. No, you're you're safe. I, I can oh, tell you a little bit of a bit of insider info. It was just five things. It was go Canucks go with clapping. Go Canucks go with no clapping. There was booing. Um, <laughs> there was uh, cheering as if we had scored. And there's uh, um, oh we want the cup, which is kind of. The probably the, the the weirdest one to do, admittedly, because I, I, we're not sitting in Rogers Arena screaming, "We want the cup!" Right? So, yeah. 
neighbors are going to be asking some serious questions like what cup do they want yeah no yeah we closed our windows before recording that's for sure <laughs> love it good stuff speaking of recording clay you've been able to you know continually put out content through the quarantine um you know a lot of people have really enjoyed uh the videos you've been putting out whether it be media members that you're interviewing or anybody else that you've been talking to uh how have you found it because you know we're kind of in the same boat of trying to create canucks content uh we've had our tough times for sure through the quarantine but i know that you know speaking off air with you over the past couple of weeks it's, it's been pretty good uh i think for us and i think that people are starting to get back into that canucks content that we like to produce yeah for sure i, I want to give you guys props not just because you asked me to be on here but i am <laughs> a faithful subscriber listener i still got to get on that patreon thing admittedly but uh i i do listen to your stuff every week i, I listen to it when i go for my walk so you guys are doing some really really good stuff Thanks, um, yeah you're most welcome uh for me yeah i found you know there, there's a lot of guys I don't know if you're like this in the podcast world, but there are a lot of good podcasts, a lot of good bloggers, and it's very uh, tricky. It's very easy to fall into the comparison temptation, the comparison trap. Why are they ranked higher than me? Why are they have more views or more subs or more likes than me? Like, I, And I admittedly, I'm a human being. I fall into that too. But I quickly realized that um, instead of worrying about why I'm not number one or blah, 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 I, I want to support people who are doing it, but I also want to carve out my own niche. And my own niche is, one take wonder, right? No editing because I, yep. I don't know how to edit. B, I don't have, and, and, <laughs> and, and I think it actually shows that I know what I'm talking about, that I'm able to speak off the cuff. And But you're right. The other thing, uh, Chris, that I started to do is, you know, once a week or sometimes twice a week or once every two weeks, I just started to reach out to both local and national media members, um, not ex-players yet, but more um, media members, and just to have guys on from TSN 1040 or Sportsnet 650 or national TSN no one from National Sportsnet so far working on that. But in essence, and it wasn't to try and prop my channel, but it was just to say, you know, um, how are you guys doing? Give me some insight that, you know, that maybe I, I wouldn't have for myself on this channel. And yes, they have, they haven't like broken any viewership records, but I think it's slowly built up my, um, not that I do it for this, but it's built up a bit of reputation and name cachet. And more importantly, just uh, maybe another solid name. They know that I'm not a broadcaster. They, I'm not trying to take their job, but I'm a fan. And I think people that watch my channel, the subscribers, they want to, they like to hear different perspectives. And having said all that, I'd love to have you guys on a, a video uh, version of this podcast. I'll get you guys on to one of the Zoom chats soon for sure. Well, Clay, I, I've already pitched you the uh, song idea, so we'll get to that eventually. But uh, <laughs> speaking of songs, uh, I'm wondering, had, did any of these people know you from those songs that you interviewed? Uh, that's a good question. Um, James, uh, so the two biggest ones I did were James Duffy and Darren Dreger, both of TSN. Mm. And uh, James Duffy, whether he looked up my channel like f- one minute before he pressed record or whatever, but he, he seemed to know that I do parody songs because we even joked about it. And he seemed to know about it. And a lot of the local guys, for sure, like Matt Sakaris and Satyar Shaw and Scott Rinchel, a lot of those guys who, uh, you know, I have decent relationships with, um, they kind of know, even Jeff, Jeff Patterson, he, the running joke is that I've been asking him for four years to be in one of my songs. I think he's giving himself too much credit, but if he wants to go with that joke, that's fine. But yeah, no, so all these guys know because, you know, when you get something good or you think it's good, you, you plug it shamelessly, right? Until, until they tell you to stop plugging it. Yeah, most definitely do it. Uh, sorry, Quads, you got I've, a question. I've got a story for you, Clay. I don't know if you remember this. So as I so often tend to do, I was listening back to an old PatCast episode and oh, yeah. one of my favorite moments that I completely forgot about was when uh, Jeff Patterson asked Louis Erickson at the end of season media availability, I think it was at the end of last season or maybe two seasons ago, whatever it was, whatever the case was, um, 
he asked Louis Erickson if he intended to play out the rest of his contract. I, I hope you know where I'm going with this. And, I know exactly where you're going. And so a bunch of fans got really angry with him, very volatile, whatever. And you went a different route, as you so often tend to do, and you were genuinely curious why Jeff asked that question. And of course, like, you know, we're kind of in the same boat as Jeff, where we when we get people ba- that backlash like that, we don't tend to respond to everybody because we'd be there all day if we had to respond to everybody yeah. who hated us. But um, he did respond to you and it was funny because he talked about it with botch on the podcast and they had a good good laugh about it and he's like when canuck clay the most positive guy on twitter came after me that's when i drew the line and said i had to i had to explain my thinking because when canuck clay comes at you you know you've messed up <laughs> you know thanks quaz and it's true the two times that i've gotten some airplay on on the podcast one of them was that and the other one was when um, I met Pedersen at the All-Star Game, and they were wondering how that became a local news story. So, Watch uh, <laughs> and J-Pat love to have fun with me, and I, I loved it as well. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. It's a, obviously the great stuff that they put together. I mean, a lot of a uh, lot of what they did on that podcast, we try our hardest to get even close to it on this one. Um, but Yeah, and if I may, uh, Faber, uh, I, I combine Faber and Claude there. Yeah. But I, there's a, one of your, the end of one of your recent episodes, didn't someone give some feedback to say that you guys were the closest to the, the podcast that they've heard? Someone did say that. that. And yeah. what a compliment, right? I oh, know how much Botch has meant to both of you, and I know how much you guys still respect J-Pat. And, yeah, you don't want to be the next podcast. You want to be the one and only Canucks conversation. But what a... What a compliment. Yeah, no, it sure was. I mean, that's what we said. Like, the reviews, they, they're pretty nice. Like, we've, uh, you know, I think we've got some decent reviews. That Those ones, though, and that's not the first time we've heard that. Those are the best ones. Those are, you know, that's the ultimate compliment, I think, if you ask me. So who's Botch and who's J-Pat, then? Well, people, people always say I'm pretty similar to Botch, and I, I think it comes from just me absolutely ripping on Nikita Triamkin once a week. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, we've heard a lot of, I think... I think a lot, we kind of go off each other really well. And I think when people talk about us being similar to the podcast, I, I think they're talking about the chemistry that we have with each other, which is really lucky because Chris and I met on Twitter and didn't know each other until like a year and a half ago. And now we're pretty good friends and we have yeah. this chemistry with each other that we really, really would have never figured out uh, probably. But now we're going to radio school together. So, I mean, that chemistry is only going to get better and better. And we're hoping to be a duo for basically the entirety of our careers. And I think we're at a good start right now, but I think that's more so what people are talking about when they give us that high praise. Yeah. Just don't be like uh, the mega powers Hogan and Savage and break up because of jealousy of, uh, <laughs> you know, of each other. <laughs> no, we'll see. I I've made it vocal about what I think about quads. I'll continue to do so. Uh, but uh, I, as we're, as we're kind of going, going on here, Clay, um, we are getting back to hockey pretty pretty dang soon. And like you mentioned, August 2nd, your son's birthday. That's going to be an awesome night for you guys. I'm hoping that Jake puts two behind uh, the Minnesota goaltender. Maybe we do see some shotguns out of there. But uh, but for you, coming back to hockey, we're going to see the Canucks take on the Wild. How does this series play out in Clay's mind? Yeah, you know, it's, we, we've heard everyone say this, and it's almost oversimplistic to say, well, the Canucks have better forwards and Right. technically better goaltending and the Minnesota wild have better blue line, but it's true. It, it, that's when you look at the, the stats, when you look at the numbers, uh, both, uh, you know, underlying stats and the, the easy ones that I like to follow that that's what it seems to be. And I, I just have a sense that it's going to come to 
whichever team is is more hungry, whichever team gels a little bit more. And you can't say that Vancouver is a favorite because they're seated seven and Minnesota's 10th. Because you guys know they've finished one point apart yes. from each other in the standings. They, they basically had identical records except for, you know, one shootout win for the Canucks. So, like, you can't – there's there's nothing to split between the two teams. So, it um, you know, I've been saying Canucks in four, but that's because I'm the president of the GLCPC. So I, I do think Vancouver can win. I do think they will win. But uh, at the same time, I, I can make an argument that it's a 50-50. But I, I do – I can't wait to see our top six play for more than one game, right? I can't wait to see what Jacob Martian can do, motivated, healthy again. And I can't wait to see uh, the – they don't have a Quinn Hughes. They have a lot of good forwards. They have some uh, experienced demon like Spurgeon, Suter, and Dumba. But they don't have a Quinn Hughes. And maybe he's an X factor. So I, I like the matchup. For the Canucks, I really do, even though, you know, the, the season series and the season records are basically equal. Yeah, I think so, too. It's going to be it's gonna be incredible to kind of just get back to hockey, I think, in the first place. And I know that, you know, I think Tony G actually brought it up a couple of weeks ago on the show. Like, the way that the Wild are going to be able to slow down the Canucks is slowing down Patterson and Hughes, right? You mentioned it. You know, the Wild yep. don't have players like Petey and Hughes. I mean... That's the big chip that I think the Canucks have to play. And the thing that Tony mentioned was the way that you slow down those type of players is you rough them up. You know, you give them that extra bump in the corner. You give, you hold them for that extra half second that you don't get a penalty for. But the reaction that you normally get when you hit a Quinn Hughes or you hit Elias Patterson is the crowd really backing up. Like the crowd loves it when you hit the other team's superstar, right? And I think that that's the thing that we're not going to see with no crowd involved. You know, that's going to be tough for them to kind of continually hit Pedersen, continually hit Hughes. That's why I think that those two guys are just going to shine in this series. I, I'm with you on the uh, winning in four, but like, you know, I, I might be running for the president of the positive committee here pretty soon because I, I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if I see three, Clay. I wouldn't be surprised in a sweep. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I did listen to that episode, and I, when, when uh, Tony Gallagher first said that, I actually didn't know where he was going with it. Like, uh, yeah. they're not going to be able to hit Hughes, or they're not going to be able to feed off hitting Pedersen. But then as he explained it and took the time to say, yeah, the crowd, that's a huge it, – it, that part can be fascinating to me. Everything from are you going to be able to hear what the players are saying to um, to hear what the coaches are saying to are they going to use a seven-second delay, whatever. What a fascinating time to watch hockey. But, yeah, that's a great point about the – the physicality, maybe not being able to slow those guys down. I'm just waiting for the b- first big hit on Pedersen, and then it's, the feed's going to cut to the Clay Emu living room, and it's going to be you and your family just booing really loudly, and then they'll cut back to the live feed. <laughs> that's true. That could be the very first fan cut for sure. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, Clay. Uh, we'll pretty much wrap it up there. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I'm just curious, you know, do you have anything coming up soon? Is, has a song been in the works or anything here, Clay? Well, uh, I did go visit uh, my collab partner in crime, Marie. I visited her a couple weeks ago, and we started to talk about ideas, but nothing, nothing too serious yet. I think, uh, I think uh, those creative juices. You know, I've been watching a lot of Hamilton on Disney Plus. Maybe there's a, one of those in the works, or or maybe just go back to my old school roots of '90s R&B. You know, way older than before you two were even born, you young guys. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. But yes, uh, I, I think. It would be remiss to to have hockey come back and not have some goofy song um, out at the same time. So we'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, we would be looking forward to it, Clay. It always gets the people talking, if anything, with the song. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. You guys are doing awesome stuff. Thanks, Clay. We'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. 
All right, guys, joining us now for the second conversation. Man, it just feels like I'm getting back into the groove. Old school Canucks conversation episode. Speaking of old school, we're going back to one of the old school guests, YJ, youngjud underscore one on Twitter. YJ, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Feels so good to be back on the show. (laughs) It's been such a long time, like a little over a year and a half now. Feels great to be back on. Most definitely. I still remember calling you the first time, and you surprised me saying that you're 14 years old at the time. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Still one of my favorite moments on the show, which we will be coming up with actually with our top uh, top 10 moments of the Canucks conversation soon. But uh, YJ, I want to get to you. How's quarantine been for you, buddy? It's been good. It's been good. I just got a Nintendo Switch recently, so that's really, really, really cool. That's been keeping me busy. Not much going on. School just finished too. Had online school for a bit. Nothing going on really. How, how was online school? And I know you were telling me about your switch. Is that a is that a summer summer break? Is that uh, is that what you're treating yourself with? Definitely, yeah. I was gonna get a job this summer, but then COVID came and messed everything up. So <laughs> I got a switch instead. I'll get a job next year. There you go. Yeah. Once here's what I here's what I say to younger people, and I'm you know I was in that position like not too long ago myself. Once you start working, you're never going to stop. So just delay it as long as you can. Just keep playing that Switch. Yeah, just keep playing your Nintendo Switch as long as you can. And eventually you're going to have to get a job. And then once you start working, you're never going to be able to stop. So don't, uh, you know, don't uh, don't take that for granted. Got it. Good advice. YJ, I know that you, uh, you're a guy who we, that I DM with a lot. I'm guessing you probably DM with quads quite a bit as well. I know you're, you're big time into the Vancouver sports media scene, whether it's TSN, Sportsnet, you got your eye on everything, it seems like. What did you think about how, uh, the past week has been about the Brock Besser rumors? It's been pretty crazy. Look, okay. Sakaris, I saw, I wanted to say this too. I saw Sakaris get, get like, some unnecessary hate for his report reporting on this. And that's like crazy to me. Cause I love what Sakaris does. Mm-hmm. He, he breaks so many stories. You know what I mean? And people are out here saying, Oh, he's lying. He's lying. Like, Oh, why would we trust Sakaris? Like, man, get out of here with that bogus. Sakaris is awesome. You know what I mean? He's broken like stories in the past too. He was the one who broke the Dolan story. He was the one who, said the Canucks were open to trading Madden. He was, if I recall correctly, the original person who said their, uh, Jim and Judd weren't getting along. So Sakaris has like credibility in my opinion, and people are giving him all this hate and stuff. So, I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Why did you crazy week? Crazy week. That is that is good stuff. I will correct you though because we got to give give credit to our friend Patrick Johnson. I think he was the first one on the bracket story, but um, yes, Sakaris was a good job as well. Yes, Sakaris was following shortly after, and you're totally right. Those stories that you mentioned, especially the Dolan one, uh, Sakaris was ridiculed quite heavily for that one for bringing that up. But uh, yeah, no, you're I I totally agree with you there. Uh, you know, people questioning the credibility of reporters like Rick Dollywall. This is Matt Sakaris, and again, like Elliot Friedman backs the story. It's just kind of, you know, it's it, sure we can talk about the timing. That's kind of what Chris and I just talked about. We just did a Patreon episode, but we can talk about the timing all you want. The only problem is, you know, we don't really have to shut off our reporting when we're in the media. You know what I mean? So you're bang exactly. on with that analysis, buddy. But uh, YJ, to follow that up, um, what do you think when you hear Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman come out and kind of confirm those rumors now? What do you think about that situation? I mean, it's okay. The exact quote from Sakaris was the Canucks are exploring the possibility of trading Besser. In my opinion, 
that's completely fine. Besser's a guy who, I, look, I love Brock. Uh, he's got a great story and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to trade someone from the core, Brock is the guy. I don't want him to get traded. I really don't. I love Brock. I really, I really, really do. He's my first favorite player. But we are short on defense and prospects. And if you're going to trade Brock and you could get a top-pairing D-man back, it could work out in the long run. You know what I mean? So, in my opinion, it would be a bad thing if the Canucks aren't exploring the possibility of trading Brock Besser. you got to explore the possibility of doing everything. That's Jim's job. He's a general manager. Again, bang on in the analysis there, YJ. And yeah, Chris and I were, again, just talking about this. And we looked at, like, Seth Jones, Ryan Johansson sort of thing. And, you know, Seth Jones is on the jackets for years to come now. And, you know, maybe the Canucks are looking into pulling off something similar. Again, this is all just, you know, it's at the beginning stages of anything, right? And, I mean, that's why none of us are too upset about it. But you brought up a good point there. The lack of defense prospects and that lack of defense prospects became a little bit better yesterday with the signing of Jack Rathbone. People are going to be hearing this on Saturday, so we're recording this on Wednesday, but this will still be relevant, I'm sure. Jack Rathbone signing, what are your thoughts on that signing? This is massive. I love this signing. This is so good because Rathbone went to Harvard, and we know the history with Harvard. Lots of players are a flight risk from there, and they walk in free agency after three or four years and go to another team. So I think it's absolutely huge that the Canucks locked down Jack Rathbone. I love that so much. Yeah, exactly. And especially with where he was picked in the fourth round, that's good value right there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, we were just talking about it. You have to give some credit to Jim Benning. Credit where credit's due. Like, he got this deal done, and we we knew the whole time that Jack Rathbone did pose a bit of a flight risk. And not only because he went to Harvard and he supposedly would want to finish his degree and not before turning professional, of course, there was that the factor of his brother as well. And I'm sure you're familiar familiar with that situation. And he's, you know... It, it To me, it looks like it's another case of the Canucks getting a good character guy, like a guy like Brock Besser, a guy like Elias Pettersson, you know, who kind of have that Sedin mantra about them, right? And it looks like the Canucks are kind of putting a little more value into bringing in actual character guys. And I know that's a cliche term that we use to describe the likes of Jay Beagle, Brandon Sutter, and these guys. But personally, I'm really excited to see what Jack Rathbone is on and off the ice. Same. So excited for him. Yeah, most definitely. And before we uh, before we get too much into training camp and some of the stuff that we've seen, YJ, I'm wondering because you know one of the things I did when I was keeping busy was watch you know to see what Canucks players were up to, whether if it was Elias Pettersson doing commercials or Adam Gaudet playing Warzone and swearing at everyone. Uh, what were some of the things that uh, that you enjoyed throughout quarantine when you're keeping up with the Canucks players? Let me think about this one. I was watching Gaudet on Twitch. That was definitely fun. Yeah, I, I saw him. He was struggling to get the game audio on, and he was like getting yeah. all frustrated at that. Yeah, that was really funny. Um, besides that, I don't really uh, keep up with players. I, I watched the PD interview with um, Dan Murphy. There you go. Sweden, but uh, not mu- not much that I've been keeping up with the players. How about uh, as we move into training camp now? What's something that stuck out to you from all the video and updates that we've got over the past few days? They were doing that. Uh, Team Blue just lost today, and they were doing that weird turtle walk in center ice. Oh, that's brutal. Marky was pissed, too. He was slamming his sticks around and stuff. It's good to see that competitiveness. 
Yeah, most definitely. Marky was getting pretty pissed off throughout the practice, actually. There's a few other things. I heard him actually barking back at uh, Travis Green a couple times on a few things. So we'll see what's happening there. We'll see. I, I just think that what Marky wants is get back to some game action. You know, it seems like a, like one of the ultimate competitors. And I'm excited for him to get into this series against the Wild because I think that that's where, you know, the Canucks really have the strongest advantage is in goaltending with um, Jacob Markstrom. But for you looking at this series, what worries you a little bit about the Minnesota Wild? They have better depth than us. Our bottom six is not that strong. I mean, Beagle and Sutter are signed to like pretty big contracts, and yeah, they're veterans and stuff, but the advanced analytics, they, they aren't that good. And the Wild, they have a better bottom six. So if they like match the top line with the top line and like they grind Pedersen down and stuff as hard as they can, their depth is going to come up from behind and, you know, overtake the Canucks. So that's pretty scary. But if our top six can score lots of goals and be as consistent as they usually are, we should be fine. But the depth on the wild is something that does scare me. Yeah, I think I think that's a totally fair worry to have. And I think when we look at the matchup that's going to be played, we kind of look back to the last game the Canucks played, and that was against the New York Islanders, where it's kind of similar to Minnesota in that they don't really have that one overpowering line or even two overpowering lines. They kind of run all four lines pretty steadily. So yeah. I think something we could see is Elias Pettersson kind of playing in that matchup role, playing against the top line like he did against Matt Barzell, and really just trusting that Elias Pettersson's good enough to overpower uh, the other line. And I think in the case of Minnesota, I, I personally think that's going to be the case. I think he's, you know, I think the Canucks top line is better than the Wilds top line. I think the Canucks definitely have the advantage in the top six for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, again, one thing that we need to look at as well within this matchup is the top four defense of the Wild. The puck, the ability that those guys have to move the puck up the ice, it's something Jim Benning's already talked about and said that the coaching staff is looking at on how to shut down. And again, even the Wild, their ability to use the dump and chase. They're one of the only teams in the NHL that uses the dump and chase effectively. So I think there's a lot of factors going into this play-in series for sure. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. August 2nd, first game, mark it on your calendars. Can't <laughs> wait for this series. Most definitely. How how do you think that the young players on this team are going to be affected by having no fans in the crowd? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's definitely going to be different. Um, we all know fan intensity is a big part of the playoffs. You know, if there's a big hit and stuff. Fans get riled up, the players get into it. So it's definitely going to be different. But I'm honestly kind of curious to see how it works out. I mean, I heard the NHL is going to try and use crowd noise. They've been, teams have been sending out emails to their season ticket holders to make crowd noise. That's going to be very interesting. But something else I'm very excited about to see without fans is we could, we're going to be able to hear players on the ice so clearly. <laughs> I can't wait to see, see how much cussing there is. Yeah, most definitely. I'm going to wonder if they're going to have to run it like three seconds late because I feel like everything that comes out of Antoine Roussel's mouth is a swear word on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> most definitely. We got to talk to Roussel to, uh, yesterday, actually, and that was a pretty good chat. He's, he's, it's good to have him back, and I wonder you know, what kind of impact do you think he might be able to have on this team because he's going to slot right into that third line, and I think near the end of the season, like you could see his knee started to get a little bit more sore. I mean, he, he came in and he had that huge night on Alex Burrow's night, but it seemed like he you know, it almost fell off a little bit but he talked about being, you know, feeling almost as, as healthy as possible this year with that knee. So I'm wondering what kind of impact do you think he can make? Because he seems like a playoff player for this Canucks team. I could definitely see that for sure. Playoff player is exactly how you put it, is the perfect way to put it. If he could be the exact same player he was in his 
for, in the first year of his contract with the Canucks, he's going to be a huge piece for us in the play-in slash playoffs. But with, with how he was playing uh, recently, you mentioned uh, it looked like his knee was getting a bit sore. Maybe this break was kind of a blessing in disguise, like kind of like, like it was for Yolevi that that uh, I've seen people talk about. So if he could be at 100% health and be such a pest on the forecheck like he always was, mm-hmm. always is, I can't wait to see Antoine Roussel in this series. It's going to be fun. And on the topic of guys who are kind of like that spark plug, who's your, I guess, your dark horse for who do you think from the Canucks outside of, let's say, Elias Pettersson? Actually, you know, I'll include those guys. You can say anyone. Anybody on the team that you think is really going to step up and just overtake this series and have like almost like a Ryan Kessler 2011 against the National Predators type performance in these playoffs? That's a very good question. I don't know if this player is going to be a Ryan Kessler type 2011 against Nashville type of player, but I think Tyler Mott could be very important. I'm a big Tyler Mott truther. I really am. I love the way he hustles. I love his forecheck. There's nothing I respect more than players who absolutely try their hardest. And I feel like Tyler Mott does that very, very well. And I think his style of play works very, very well for the playoffs. I cannot wait. So I'm guessing he was your vote for unsung hero. Yes, he was. (laughs) Not JT Miller, the leading point getter? Definitely not the leading point getter. (laughs) All right, that's fair. All right, YJ, well, we're glad to get you back on here, and we can't let you go without asking about the Judd Bracket situation. It's your username on Twitter. How do you think the whole thing played out here? It was definitely a very crazy situation. Judd wasn't, according to reports, Judd wasn't getting the autonomy he wanted. He, he he couldn't hire scouts he wanted. He couldn't fire scouts he wanted, which in my opinion, he should be allowed to do. His title was literally the director of amateur scouting. I don't know why there would be a risk between Benning and Brackett when Brackett's been in charge. Our drafting has been absolutely amazing. But now that Judge, Judge moved on, I'm happy he's going to be, be in a position where he could thrive and be the best he can be. But it, it was definitely an un, unfortunate way uh, that uh, his tenure with the Canucks came to an ending. But I, I hope he realized how much the Canucks fan base loved him. Yeah. Because let me tell you, I don't think there's a director of amateur scouting <laughs> in the whole entire world who is loved as much as Judd Brackett was. <laughs> I think that's a great point, YJ. And I think what the people need to know is what's happening to your Twitter account moving forward now that he's officially in Minnesota Wild? Well... I changed the profile picture to me now, and I changed the name. I changed my name to the nickname you originally gave me, Young Judd YJ. So, I guess that's what's happening now. But we'll see. Well, that's good, man. I'm glad you're keeping it. It's going to be one of the old school things when we look back, you know, five, ten years from now. Uh, people are going to wonder who the hell's Judd Brackett, uh, but we'll know. We'll know, Judd. Yeah. <laughs> All right, YJ. Well, this has been a great conversation, man. Really excited to get you back on the show and uh, and chat some Canucks. And uh, I guess the final thing is, what are you most excited for now that we're getting hockey going? Like, what's the one event that you want to see? Is it, you know, Besser going bar down, Quinn Hughes doing the spin move? What do you miss the most about Canucks hockey? DTP breaking ankles. Can't <laughs> wait to see it. Right on. I don't think you'll have to wait very long once they get going against the Wild here. Definitely not. All right, YJ. Well, we'll let you go, man. Is there anything else you want to close out with? Follow my Twitter at youngjud underscore one. Love it. That's about it. Perfect. Awesome, YJ. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, guys. 
People on Twitter say she's taller than Tyler Myers. She once posted a tweet that said poo poo pee pee Louis Erickson and it got 900 likes. She's a better puck mover than Nikita Triamkin. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very pleased to be joined now by Azadeh, the Canucks meme queen at Canucks AZ, not Canucks as on Twitter. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. I'm, I hope you like that intro because I've been telling you for months that your intro was going to be good. I hope it lived up to the hype. That, yeah, that was quite the intro. I'm glad I got to react to it live. Okay, so let's go Let's go back to, uh, I actually don't know when you joined Twitter. I know you were someone I interacted with like pretty quickly when I started getting on Twitter and started doing my writing and everything about the Canucks. But when did? what was right, your right. story about getting on Canucks Twitter? When did you start? Oh, well, I've had a couple like embarrassing accounts back when I was like 12, 13 years old. Like different fan pages, you know, okay. posting like, posting like, you know, Canucks video edits, that kind of thing. Oh, man. But then, yeah, that phase. But then, yeah, as I got older, I kind of like made new friends on Twitter and, you know, kind of found a community with Canucks Twitter, which is really nice. And, hey, I'm so, my tweets are still very, very um, childish, I would say. Well, I mean that poo poo pee pee Louis Erickson is still one of my favorites. When we uh, when we joke about that and all of all of the wonderful tweets you put out and the memes, the memes are oh, just for sure, for sure. awesome. So we had yeah. another Canucks memer on this episode, Mr. Booth, and we asked him to rank his top Canucks meme accounts. And I think I think behind himself he put you, or maybe he put you at the top. And then he also men- mentioned Vanessa Jang, who is also a absolutely wonderful Canucks meme, former Canucks Army writer too. But I want to talk to you about this year's team. And, you know, it was, it was a little different for you because I know you lived in Toronto for school. And, man, <laughs> what was it like watching games that started at 10 p.m. local time for you? Oh, boy. Honestly... This year was an exciting year, and it was worth staying up to watch some of the games. Like, you know, if this was like 2015 or 2016, I probably would not stay up until 1 or 2 a.m. Fair enough. To, you know, watch the game and catch the post-game show and all that. But yeah, it was definitely tiring. And, you know, lots of my friends were Leafs fans, so not much people I could connect with. Oh, man. You know what? And that was funny because... You know, for people who don't know, you and I talk quite a bit, um, you know, off uh, off Twitter. And it was right, it right. was tough that you had to be around all those Leafs fans. Because I remember some of them were getting in my mentions when you and I would tweet about the Canucks or whatever. Oh, so, yeah. oh my gosh, those, those were the days. But, okay, so the play-ins. You're staying in Vancouver now, right? You're not going anywhere? Yeah, I'm going to be in Vancouver this year um, until 2022, probably. Oh my gosh! Yeah, until everything yeah. Do- isn't online for school, so oh, I'm right. I'm right with you there in the online school endeavors. By the way, how's that been? Online mm-hmm. school. What are your thoughts? Oh boy! Well, I'm taking two online courses now, and my, you know, I cannot focus at all. <laughs> Twitter's a distraction. Yeah. My friends are just good distractions, and you know, yeah, I cannot focus at all. But it is what it is. It's okay. safer. So you stayed up late to watch a bunch of games. Is there any games this year that kind of stood out to you as big ones that you really were like, this was a great game for me to stay up for? And on the other end of that, was there any games that you stayed up for that you were just like, I cannot believe I stayed up to watch this? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm not sure exactly what time it was. Maybe it was 
earlier in the day. Not sure if it was a home or an away game, but that game against the Bruins, the nine three win. Yes. Yep. That that was like probably one of the better games I've watched, you know, in recent years too. Yeah, one of yeah. the first things I did in quarantine when the NHL.com made all the games free to watch whenever you'd like. Oh yeah. I uh, I, I streamed that and I made the whole family game. watch it again. It was it was wonderful. Oh, yeah. And all the fans chanting we want 10. I wasn't at that oh, game, yeah. but I would have loved to have been at that game to hear we want 10 chanting in the mm-hmm. arena. For sure, yeah. That one was like halfway through the third period. I refuse to believe Okay. On the other hand, yes. a game that I wasn't exactly a fan of. Uh, I wasn't in Toronto for this one. I was at this game, actually. Um, it was on my 18th birthday, Canucks versus Habs game. Wow. And I was in Vancouver, went to that one, and unfortunately the Canucks lost and then went on like a 10-game winning streak right after that game so did you unfortunate did you go back to toronto when the winning streak started no i was here for part of it but okay, part of okay. it i was in toronto i was gonna like say because you might have to go back to toronto during the play-in series just make sure <laughs> that they they get through this series but i want to talk to you about that series so you know the canucks <laughs> themselves have had a lot of time to size up the opponent that they're going to face in the minnesota wild and i'm not sure how much attention you've paid to what it's going to look like. You know, Minnesota employs the dump and chase for some reason. They're one of the only yeah. teams in the league who employ the dump and chase and do it effectively. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on this matchup? Your overall thoughts? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's kind of even out in my opinion, because mm-hmm. we've played the wild, like I think twice this year and we, I think we're just one and one. I'm not yeah. sure. I'll check I that. think you're right on that. But, yeah. And I mean, I don't have much much of an idea what to expect with the Wild. And they traded um, Zucker, I believe. Yep. So that's a big loss for them. So I think our Canucks have an edge here. Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, you know, we've done a lot of predictions on this show. We had John Garrett on the show, and he, he came right out and said they mm-hmm. were going to sweep the Wild. That's what, that's what his prediction Ooh. is. Um, and Chris, Chris Faber actually went with that one as well. He was, he was on board with that. He was saying, yep, this is going to be a sweep. Murph said four games, and then I said five. I think it's going to be a close series. I really do. Uh, again, like you said, I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams. And I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be, it's going to be a tight series in my opinion so we'll have to wait yeah, and definitely. see for that but are, are do you have any memes ready to go in the event that the Canucks get <laughs> swept and if they end up getting the sweep do you have memes ready to go both ways or are you just making them on the fly Ooh. I think my best memes come on the fly yes I, I think if I prepare too much or think too much into it it'll kind of ruin it so we'll see what happens we'll see what the Canucks do do you have a favorite meme that you've made favorite meme that I've made. Ooh. I'm trying to think of some of your classics because you've got a few that I've like sent them back to you and like texted you. I'm like, this is gold. Like this is some of your best work. I'm just trying to think back well, to what they were. I've had to delete a couple of them because, you know, I use my Twitter for some of my work now and oh, okay. you know, I have to keep it a bit more professional. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. And, yeah. So I'm trying to think, were there any? Oh man. What a pressure. Yeah, I know. I kind of put you on the spot there. I'm trying to think of some too because there's just so many that I just like, oh, it's just it's just a good time on your Twitter account whenever I scroll through it and I see one of one of your classic memes. Oh, oh man. Well, that means a lot to me. There was that one picture or that one game where um, 
Brad Marchand, he missed the puck in the shootout, and I he used that format to death with different like. Oh yes, text. yes. Yeah, that one was a good one. I think that's one that I fired back to you, and I was just like, "This is awesome! Like, this is this is some of your best work." Oh my gosh! Okay. Anyways, you know we've gone a hundred plus days without hockey. Obviously, the scrimmages are back, but mm-hmm. not really available for public consumption. Did you listen to the radio broadcast last night? Oh, I absolutely did. Nice. I was listening to it in my room, and my mom walks in, and she's like, "Is that John and John?" I'm like, <laughs> "No, <laughs> close, but no." Did you hear the Jake for or Bo Horvat swearing at Jake for Tannen? I did hear that. Yes. Honestly, he, Jake had it coming. Yeah, it was it was something else. And Harmon and I were just talking about. Harmon joined me as a co-host this week. We were just talking about that incident before I started recording with you, and. We think it's going to be water under the bridge. I know you've played pretty high-level hockey. You know what it's like. Sometimes, you know, tempers flare, and you'll, you know, you'll get mad at somebody, and at the end of the day, it's water under the bridge. You get over it. I'm sure it's going to be fine yeah. between them, but it was still that kind of that moment where there was only like eight of us in the arena and we were all spread out and we couldn't really (laughs) whisper to each other and be like, Hey, what was that? Like, did you catch that? So we're all pretty spread out. And I'm like looking around, I'm looking at Drance, I'm looking at Harmon. I'm like, did anybody see what happened? Behind the mask too. Just intense eye contact. Oh my gosh. Also, it is impossible to talk to people across the row (laughs) with a mask on. It is like, it is not possible. We've so many times just like given up on trying to talk to each other. Oh, it's, it's been bad. Text each other. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've been doing with Harmon. I just text him during the game and we talk, even though we're sitting right as close as we can to each other. But it's it was so weird. It was just so quiet in the arena. And I was listening back to the radio broadcast today, and I, I got to mm-hmm. give full credit to Brendan Batchelor for the way he handled that situation. That was... Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That was hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I kind of want to get your take on that because, you know, I know you've played pretty high-level hockey and you're going to be playing again this year, which is pretty awesome. But... What are your thoughts on that whole incident? Like Harmon and I basically said it's it shouldn't really be a story. Just just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean I agree. It's not like a whole headline it shouldn't be too big of a deal, but it was really funny coming from Bo Horvat cuz you know, he's like the gentleman of the team, you yep. know. He's a new dad, all that kind of stuff. So hearing him, you know, go off on a potty mouth, I it was <laughs> funny to hear, but but yeah, I don't think you should like read too much into it they're just teammates it's a scrimmage like exactly i mean a joking matter too exactly and i mean i would give bo horvat the sleep deprived dad excuse but he hasn't been home in a while so i don't think he can use that one unless he's been kept up on facetime i don't know how that's how that's going for him but you know i before Mm -hmm. we wrap up here i just want to you know kind of get your stance on this and it's it's funny that i'm asking you this because you know you are a part of canucks twitter and that's why you're on this episode you're a main voice in canucks twitter but i rarely ever see you kind of going back and forth with people and i think you've kind of employed the same strategy that i've employed recently and that's just to not go back at people in your mentions and it's funny because every time you put out a tweet or a meme whatever the case may be and it's even somewhat controversial or whatever 
I always scroll down. I always have fun doing this. I scroll down to the part where it goes show more replies. And th- that's where all the replies yep. uh, that have either profanity in it. That's where they or, get funky. Yeah, exactly. All the mouth breathers that reply to you. I always go down to those and I'm just like, how do you deal with this? Because so many of these replies just like give me a headache and it's like so bad. I don't know how you deal with it, but you don't go back and forth at them. But I just want to get your thoughts on the overall you know, the mood of Canucks Twitter right now and the people that are replying to your tweets? I mean, honestly, Canucks Twitter is doing a better job than most fan bases, I believe. Like, you know, we have our moments, you know, there's controversy within the fan base, there's little fights here and there. But, you know, that's usual with most fan bases. But with regards to my tweets, if I do tweet out something that's kind of controversial, like, you know, regarding concussions or sexism in the NHL, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, Honestly, it's just not worth it to, you know, go back and forth with yeah, someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, it's usually not from Connect Twitter. Yeah, I'm not going to name any fan bases, but, <laughs> but it's, yeah. It's always funny because... Not the Connect the people replying to your tweets and, you know, the other ones, you know, anytime there's anything about misogyny or sexism in mm-hmm. the NHL and in NHL front offices, which is something that's actually kind of been talked about today. And I think we should touch on that a little bit here. But, you know, mm-hmm. whenever those those tweets come, the replies are always from either a dude in sunglasses or the username <laughs> yeah. is like Bob or Mike or, you know. And five numbers in a row. Yeah, and like, like six numbers. And it's like just <laughs> random numbers. I'm like, wow, thanks for the opinion, guy, followed by a bunch of numbers it's like man i don't know if these are just people using burner accounts i don't know what's going on but it's always yeah. it's always one of those two things that i it always cracks me up i mean aside from their like really being absolute garbage like, exactly or like really deep fried profile pictures where it's like a blown up leaf logo or a half logo with <laughs> funky font on it it's <laughs> oh usually gosh. those people oh my god you're not gonna find you know the wholesome hockey fan Exactly. Um, saying those kind of things. Not in the show more reply section. That's that's for sure. No, but, definitely. They're definitely in the good section. Exactly. And I do want to talk to you about that because that's that's kind of interesting. Someone brought that up today. I saw it on Twitter. I think it was Brock McGillis was bringing it up about what it's mm-hmm. like to work in an NHL organization. I know you've talked to people who have, and you, you know what it's like. You've kind of experienced that in your own regard, even if it's just a smaller sample size on Twitter. But, you know, just right. the change that needs to happen within hockey. Like, Chris and I have talked about it multiple times on this show. Like, a lot of the stuff that goes on in hockey, and not just regarding sexism and misogyny, you know, everything mm-hmm. Daniel Carcillo brought forth, and just basically this hockey culture right and chris and i talk about it quite a bit like something needs to change here and i mean from your perspective what do you think is the Mm -hmm. right actions going forward well i mean it's a lot to take on like if i'm the chl or if i'm the nhl i would be really overwhelmed with you know everything coming out about you know harassment and assault and just poor behavior coming from management things like that Uh, I don't know, I guess, just to educate people. Yeah. I Not think, just the yeah. front office, but the fans, but the players, you know. If everyone just knows what it's like to work in someone else's shoes, then they would think twice about their actions. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. And I mean, you know, we were, that, that tweet was referring to, I, oh, maybe it wasn't the tweet, maybe this was a conversation I had with someone else, but I know mm-hmm. a few people who have been in that situation and 
it's just similar to what Brock was talking about today. And in the fact of, you know, when you bring it up to your bosses or management, it's, oh, you've just got to deal with it. Yeah. That's just how fans are. And it's just like, really? Like, this is something we're just... Yeah, like, that doesn't with. help anyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you I sit mean, down and educate someone, that's different. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a vicious cycle if you don't, you know, confront anybody on anything. So, I mean... It's just it's just such yeah. a such a tough thing to see happening and then I'm like, wow, who would who would be doing this? And then I scroll down to the show more replies of the tweet and it's like, oh, of oh course. Like, the people outing <laughs> themselves. Oh, those people. oh my gosh, the people outing themselves on all this stuff is like probably my favorite part about all of it. Yeah, exactly, especially this year. I feel like a lot of hockey fans and players have actually like really shown their true colors. Speaking yeah. of which, who who are you taking in a fight? of uh bad takes brandon prust or dustin penner Oof. <laughs> dustin penner man his twitter account is <laughs> okay sorry yeah i know we're know talking with that <laughs> i know we're talking about hockey but have you seen aubrey huff's tweets the old uh, San Francisco. Oh my gosh! I'm going to send you some right after we're finished recording here. He he <laughs> might he that. might give Brandon Prust and Dustin Penner a real run for their money. I think he might. Like it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, let me just tell you. Like I'll put it in simple terms. He uses the term sheep mm-hmm. unironically and sheeple. He uses it unironically. Oh. Uh, so he's one of those. Oh so I mean, I might have just told you enough. I, I can probably assume what that's going to be about. But yeah, Brandon Prust is also. That was kind of tough to watch. Especially well, the former Canuck, too. Yeah, but you realize he's watched Hidden Figures 10 times and cried every oh, time, right? True. Like, don't forget that's that. True. Oh, of course, of course. We should thank him for his service. <laughs> It was so funny when that happened. My bro- activism. Exactly. My brother texted me that tweet. He's like, what's Hidden Figures? I'm like, oh, it's that movie we watched because uh, we watched the movie. And he's like, wait, he's saying that makes him like exempt from racism. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what he's saying. Ten times, too. Ten times. And, and he cried. cried. And he cried right, every right. If time. he didn't cry, it wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> oh, my god. Exactly. There was some controversy around... Um, Mary Pierre Morin, his uh, ex-wife, too. There was some racism going on there as well. Really? I haven't heard this. Go on. I want to hear. <laughs> well, yeah, on Instagram, um, another lady, I forgot her name, uh, she basically mentioned that, you know, she was sexually harassed by her. And she was, she would use, you know, slurs against black people, things like that. Wow. Yeah, surprising there, too. I was on her side when the whole, you know, breakup happened. But guess not. Jeez, that's that's a weird turn of events that I didn't see coming. Oh my gosh. Like I yeah. haven't been following that whole situation too closely, if I'm being honest, but that was yeah, yeah. I didn't have that on my bingo card, let me tell you. In your twenty twenty apocalypse card. I haven't been following them or their relationships since did you watch Hockey Wives ever? <laughs> oh Hockey Wives, man. No, I, I actually never watched it. 16. Oh, I watched it. It was uh, it was kinda trashy, but that's how I knew about them. <laughs> I love it. Well, as a day, I really appreciate you joining me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. It was very nice to hear your voice, actually, for the first time. We still have to go meet up right. at the Richmond Center White Spot and meet in person, but COVID kind of put that on hold. So I really appreciate yeah. you doing this. Of course. Thank you so much, and good luck with everything. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Very pleased to be joined now by who I very publicly stated in the past is my favorite follow on Canucks Twitter. 
The guy who always brings the good stuff. He is the troll king. He has a lot of good memes on his account as well. I'm talking about Primetime Snoop, formerly known as Snoop World Order, until he tried to impersonate Francesco Aquilini, which is a story we are definitely going to get him to tell on this podcast. Very pleased to be joined now by Snoop. Snoop, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man. Glad to, you know, it's glad to be here, and I'm happy to be on your guys' show. It's a great show, and the <laughs> Francesco. I will go deep with that, but uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, I'm glad to be here. Uh, my first little podcast, you know, podcasts are pretty hype these days on Twitter, so why not jump on this one and see what's up, right? Very, very happy that you chose to come on ours first, because I'm sure your inbox is just flooded with requests to go on other podcasts, so, you know, it was like LeBron's decision, you chose to come to Canucks Conversation, which we really appreciate. Well, he- well, you know what it is, bro. Uh, you know, you've always been really good to me. And, you know, we, we talk and we have banter. And you, you enjoy my content content on Twitter, which is 100% real. It's all honest. There's no told. But uh, people might think it is. But I'm always serious on that app. So <sighs> it's life, though. But, uh, yeah, so how are things going today? Really good, man. But, you know, speaking of things you've brought up on Twitter and, you know, everything you tweet is real and not meant to troll people at all. So have you heard anything about Surrey being the hub city for the NHL? Like, is there any advances in that story that you were breaking? Well, you know what it is um, after the Edmonton collapse. I'm not sure what happened there. Some floods or something happened, but it's probably a blessing disguise for that city because I don't think players want to be there anyway. So. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard some openings in Bear Creek. So a lot of uncles are actually um, op- open up their backyards as well. We got big rinks, so I mean, it's we're always available, and you know they have the proper masks and everything. So we'll see what happens. Though you know we've tried before, and they nixed us for uh, Edmonton. <laughs> if that's been a real place, we don't know yet. But um, <laughs> I don't think it's real. I mean, <laughs> I don't. But oh yeah, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll stay tuned and we'll see what happens. But yeah, big reports are coming in the future. Um, I'm on top of it. I'll talk to my my Surrey associates. But yeah, for sure, we set, we should have some rinks and some backyards, and let's play hockey. Yeah, man, you're you're my source of breaking news. I have your I have your tweet notifications on just in case Surrey is announced one day as the actual hub city. I think you know. Hopefully, hopefully you keep following this story and we get some good news soon because uh, yeah, I can see it like the Wally Recreation Center. I've played a few games there myself. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, you know what? Nobody knows about this, but Bear Peak is actually uh, building a hockey rink behind their track. So they're chopping up some trees and they're getting some work done. So even Bear Peak Park will be a future place. And you know what? I think it's a great place to be. Well, I love the city of Surrey. When the NHL inevitably needs hub cities again next year, maybe Surrey will be in the bidding again, or maybe Rogers Place won't be able to rebuilt it, be rebuilt in time. But I do want to talk to you about these plans because, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear about your mom uh, understanding that uh, there was a, some value in a 12.5% chance. I know that was very hard for you. You had to drive her to the airport. Why don't you just tell everybody about that? Okay. Uh, it's pretty difficult for me to talk about, but, uh, you know, since you brought it up, we'll go there. Yeah, it was really tough. But you know what? She's got that she's got that mentality where I told her, I said, Are you down with the Canucks going to the playoffs? And she said, You know what? Uh yeah, it would be cool if they beat the wild, but it would also be cool if they lost and uh got that draft draft pick for Lappy Taffy. And that's when I just kinda exploded and I couldn't have enough. And then we had a family meeting and we'd all decided that I think it's time to support her back to India. So it was it was extremely tough but I mean, we talk here and there, 
she's doing well, but she still hasn't apologized for what she believes in. So, you know, that's where we are right now. And it's, it's a work in progress. Uh, she does want to come back for the play-in, but we'll see. I don't know. Man, I'm uh, really we'll sorry to hear that. Pretty toxic, no? Yeah. She, uh, <laughs> I, she's very toxic, and that's, and that's one thing I'm really against is people that are toxic. I cannot stand individuals that have that mentality where say, come on, we have a chance to jump in. You know, we'll beat the wild or nothing anyways. So we're going to probably beat them in whatever. Like, I think we'll sweep them, but we'll see. And uh, why not win the cup? But no, she had to say that. And she was kind of, she was, she was even showing me highlights about him. I said, mom, like, what are you doing? Chill out. Like, this isn't right. We're never going to, we're never going to get a first all, first of all draft pick. Do we ever? No. So, you know, playoff team playoffs, right? So I had to kind of send her home and that's where we're at right now though. Yeah. But, uh, it's been a lot of, fa- you know, a lot of family issues with that. And, you know, it's a work in progress. Yeah. I've seen you, I've seen you tweeting about, uh, yeah, some of your other family members as well. Really, you know, some, uh, some tough things you've had to go through regarding the Canucks and your family. So yeah. we'll move away from that. Cause I know it's a tough topic for you to talk about, but I do actually yeah, want to really- talk to you. Yeah, you're getting me emotional right now, man, thinking about that. But hey, listen, if you're not down with the team, then what are you down for, right? Yeah, exactly. My apologies, man. We'll 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 bring it back here. We'll uh, we'll we'll start talking about this team and your excitement for this play-in series. Who's one player, you know, you've probably paid attention, you've seen the coverage that's come from the first week of training camp. We already know Brock Bester's been really impressive. Who's one player that you think has the potential to really just come in and take over this playoff or play-in series against the Wild? He already know who it is. It's Jake Bertanen. So that's a bold take. It's got it, to be. I would say Jake Bertanen for sure. But um, besides him, you know, uh, there's some underdogs for sure. Like who knows how uh, Godet's going to do? Who knows how these other guys are going to do? But for for me, the underdog will be Jake Bertanen, and he will shock a lot of people. Yeah, I you know what? I when I look at guys who have the potential to really just kind of go on a run and get really hot. Like we've already seen before Jake Vertanen get really hot and go on a run. And when I look at guys on this roster that have the potential to do that, I see a guy like Zach McEwen who's had a really good camp and a really strong showing in every scrimmage that the Canucks have played, especially the one the other night. Um, you know, yeah. Jake Vertanen had a Big Mac, right? Yes, Big Mac Zach, man. Yeah, I'd like that one right now too, but uh yeah, Big Mac, yeah, you know what, people are saying he can take Bertanen's spot, he's got that big body, and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, everyone's kind of out of shape still, they've been, you know, all that COVID stuff kind of, you know, messed up the flow of things, so, we'll give it some time, I think the boys will get it together, and we'll have a strong showing, but yeah, uh, Big Mac's one of my guys for sure, um, who else comes to mind, uh, you know, in my, I really wish that, you know, you Levy comes out of nowhere and scores a couple of goals or even plays on the ice, but Disney fairy tales, right? So yeah. I'll, get to this, I'll just, I'll just watch freaking Cinderella and hopefully I think that we'll see what happens. But yeah. Yeah, when I when I watched you Levy last night, man, I, I I'm sad to report that he didn't do anything to really like stand out. He did he didn't look spectacular out there. Like there was nothing you know, when you watch him play, it's just kinda like you don't understand why he was selected 
as the fifth overall pick back when he was like he doesn't stand out as a guy who should have been taken that early in the draft especially when you look at who was behind him Uh, but you know that's all in the past so I mean all we can look at is the player that the Canucks have now and I think that this guy has a chance to maybe be a four or five guy like I think he he could turn into that one day because last night like his defensive stick was really good and he was reading plays well he didn't really have any bad pinches or anything and he was playing fairly aggressive for you know somebody that usually in a camp as a rookie and you're probably gonna spend the year in the AHL you'd yeah. you'd kind of play a little more conservative and you'd want to you know not not do anything to make you stand out for the wrong reasons right and I mean I think that's why this is such a cool opportunity for these black aces at the training camp like they're allowed to kind of explore with what they're able to do and really do things that they normally wouldn't do in a regular training camp. So I think, you know, that benefits guys like you Levy, who I know you're pretty high on. I mean, yeah, I'm high, but I don't know if I'm high on him, but uh, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, for me at this point, you know, it's fun to keep working, you know, you know, we all know that Benning made that mistake. And yeah, obviously we all know that it would be nice to have Kachuk instead of you Levy, but things don't work out the way it always does. You know, we're, it's Vancouver, it's the Canucks, like, we're never going to have our things, have things our way. Our hearts have been ripped out many, many times. And I feel like that's why we're all so passionate. I mean, that's why we all have our different views. And, you know, you have people that want betting fired and you want people, you have people that would support betting. And for me, <clears throat> I'll, I'll say this, uh, I won't say I choose a specific side, but I believe that betting did make some, make some mistakes with certain things. And also, Benning drafted some good guys. But then it's like, yo, did Benning even draft him or did someone else draft him? Let's take a freaking rabbit hole. Yeah, totally. the, yep. <laughs> you know, You know what I mean? It's, it's like everyone has too much information, which yeah. is also good content though, right? So uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I'm excited for it. And if we win, that'd be nice. We beat Minnesota. And if we lose, laffy taffy, baby, we're going to get it. And we'll throw a party at Scott Road for sure. And you're invited. <laughs> Oh man, I can't 100%. wait. I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think I think you're right there when it comes to kind of what the fan base is and you know, it's a pretty informed fan base and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I do think it gets kind of, you know, when we t- when we use the word toxic, I know it's such a stupid word to use, but you know, it, it's kind of rich sometimes when guys just won't leave a side that they've already picked. You know what I mean? And I mean, you know, as somebody who's kind of, you know, in the media now, I think I have to look at everything with a pretty objective lens. And obviously there's a precedent. You know, I'm not going to pretend like I don't know that Jim Benning's track record in free agency isn't very good. Like, that's something that you can use to form your opinions for future free agency. Oh, man. But, oh, man, yeah. 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 I just think it's kind of... You're, you're only fooling yourself if you don't go into everything with like kind of an objective mind like if you want to know something and you actually are looking for information you can find that information but then you can also twist most of the information to make it make it back up your side of whatever argument you're on especially when it comes to this hockey team and i mean i think a lot of people do that i know you don't that's why i really like following you on twitter like Whenever people are tweeting about something and they're just fighting about whatever, I always look to your account and you always have such a funny take on every situation. But I could kind of tell you wanted to talk there about the free agency. When I brought up free agency, you started started making some noise there. So why did you just go off about uh, that? 
I mean, I mean, you know what? Free agency is kind of it's okay. Look, when we signed Erickson, I had hope. I, I feel like a lot of us had hope. Yeah. He was doing decent, right? I mean, he was doing decent in Boston, and then whatever shit happened, and he kind of just flunked out. But it is what it is. With his, I mean, but then also, yeah, free agency. I don't mean <laughs> free agency. I could write a book on it. It's been quite depressing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want for Daddy to kill it. I want for Len to do well, but concussions. And also, we all knew about his concussion history before. That's the thing. Twitter's so intelligent. Everyone's giving warnings about we, before we signed for Lynn. And, you know, I feel like it's what ha- whatever happened is what everyone predicted, which is unfortunate. But I hope he does well. I hope he kills it. But going back to just kind of like me being in the middle of things and just having a good time, um, here's the thing, man. Twitter, Twitter is meant to have fun, at least from my perspective, obviously. I'll get into debates with individuals, and but in the end, we're having a good time. It's online. You're looking at a screen. You're scrolling, right? So it's not meant to be that serious, but it does get serious. But at this point, what I feel like it is pretty much politics, as in you have one side or the other. And if you're on this side, you're this. And on that side, it's this. For yeah. me, yeah. I, I, let the me- I let the media do their thing. They have a job. I don't, It's you know, they got their sources. So I can't deny that, but I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm just, I'm just a fan. I'm having a good time. Yeah. I'm going to crack, <laughs> right? gonna crack a couple of beers, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Shotgun a beer when Jake Furtanen scores a goal. Do whatever you want. Like that's, that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's funny because that information and you know, man, like since I've kind of moved up a little bit in the media, the information we get that we can't Let's share. Let's go quads. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. But the information that we get that we just can't share, like it boggles yeah. my mind. Like I'll hear a story and somebody will tell me a piece of information. Like, oh yeah, you can't tell anybody about that. I'm like, what the hell? Like yeah. I would, I would, if I was a fan, I would want to hear all this stuff. And I mean, you know, it, it's like, you know, you shouldn't tell somebody how to be a fan. You know what I mean? And I think if people don't want to hear that stuff and they don't really want to hear what happens behind the scenes, yeah. all the power to them. Who cares? Let them be a fan however they want. Like, the majority like, of Canucks fans aren't on Canucks Twitter. Here's the thing. Absolutely. I have, I know Canucks fans that don't even know what Twitter is. And they just, what they do is they're so, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? You, you don't want, sometimes you don't need to know that much. They just have a good time. They cheer for their team. They will put their little flags on in jerseys and have a good, you know, they kill it. But also, you got to look at it from this perspective. It's been 50 years, and we've had so many downfalls. We've yep. had so many mistakes. Uh, we could have the Gillis era where we almost won the Cup. Like, I still think that's – I worship that team. It was so well-built. It oh, was yeah. amazing. 100%. Right? And, and like, you know, uh, Brick did his thing. He brought the boy – he brought Tadeen in. Notice did his thing. He got Louie in. Yeah. Uh, not Louie. Eric. The good Louie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Gillis kind of sprinkled the ending, right? He did his job, and that's what it is. Um, and it was a good time. What I think this, uh, what I think this city and this franchise needs is another nice run. Or, and I think we do have some pieces, but we also have some extra money. <laughs> we have some extra money that's been tied up with guys that can't perform up to their job, right? To mm-hmm. job titles or how much they're getting paid for. So that's where we're at right now. But you know, we'll see what happens. But it, Twitter is always great. I love it. <laughs> it's entertaining. Hundred percent, man, and yeah, I think I think you're right there. Like the only way, the only way 
uh, only direction to go is forward. And I think that's what a lot of fans kind of need to remember. I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's not a, I'm not going to criticize anybody for saying, oh, Jim Benning probably shouldn't sign free agents because, hey, I'm right there with you. Like, he probably shouldn't dip into free agency. And I mean, the pro scouting's definitely gotten a lot better. Nobody's going to deny that, especially, you know, you yeah. get, pick up a guy like Josh Levo. That's somebody who I've sung the praises of for a while. And uh, I've, I've written. So, so underrated. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, he, he reminds me of like in terms of production and just kind of like fans aren't really aware of what he could do. He kind of reminds me of like a Mason Raymond. Mason. Yes. hundred percent. Um, you know, he's quiet, does his job, chills out, scores some nice little snipes and that's it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, Levo's obviously not as fast as Raymond, but I just, man, no. when it comes to, when it comes to Levo and his work along the boards, I'm just, honestly, I'm blown away. Like I was looking back at a bunch of old games for an old article I was doing on Levo and just the mm-hmm. amount of times that he like skates into the offensive zone and picks the puck off a defender's stick that's trying to shovel it out of the boards. Like he's just so quick at getting the puck out and really like, the way he can kind of snap passes, especially from below the goal line on the power play and dig out pucks is reminds me of Ryan Kessler, another number 17 of the Canucks. And I mean, I know I'm throwing exactly. I'm throwing out a lot of comparisons here, but you know, Ryan Kessler used to practice. I think it was Newell Brown at the time was they would throw pucks into the corner. Kessler would skate hard, get them, and he would just practice snapping them without really looking to the Sedins and knowing where the Sedins are going to be and kind of like that third twin mentality. And I mean, I heard him talking about that on the Kess and Juice podcast. And I just think that's so that's like that story just really sums up how well that 2011 team meshed together. Like just the ability that those guys had to just know where, especially the Sedins, obviously, just know where each other was going to be. And the way that they played, like you watch old 2011 games, and it's just, man, like you're absolutely right about that team. That that team was magical. The one thing I love about the team is that it had a few different personalities. Of course, it had the Sedins. uh, I love, like, two gods of Vancouver. Leaders, I I worship them until this day. Like, just my heroes. Grew up watching her. Remember, like, when I'm, I still remember till this day growing up, you know, I see people jogging at them, making them remarks like, oh, these guys, oh, Sadines, they carry their purses. I would get, till this day, I still get triggered when people say that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that's um, stupid, yeah. Just, yeah. But just, uh, just the different kind of personalities, right? After I appreciated it. So, you know, you had Burroughs, you had Cass, you had the Sadines, you had Luongo. So it was just a, it was just a perfect timing, and you know we worked up till it. You know we were working towards it. Stupid Chicago had to ruin our plans. God damn them! <laughs> that, but but what can you do though? But in general, yeah, that was a team. But also, um, could be a team in the future. I really like our core, and I, what I've noticed recently, especially after that, you know, the Brock uh, Besser kind of rumors or whatever, you know, it just. I just kind of noticed even more Brock and PD are just chilling, right? So you get a, you get a picture from Brock's point of view too. That might fire him up. That might get him going as well, like the rumors and all of that. But also then understand that it's part of the market. Canadian market, baby. Trade rumors are always going on. Like it's just normal. Yep. I think about Toronto. I think about Montreal. It's probably the same as well. But yeah, that 20 team was quite majestic, I must say. Now, before we wrap up here, I just want to yeah. I just want to talk to you about the thinking and the day that ensued everything that ensued. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth here. What happened when you 
Sorry, I, I'm gonna laugh because I go back. I have that. I have that bookmarked because of how funny I thought it was when you went and changed your profile picture to Francesco Aquilini, changed your name to Francesco Aquilini while keeping the tag at uh, Snoop World Order, and you got a few people there. Why don't you just kind of go over what the poll that you put out was and just tell people about what the thinking was here. You know, talk about how Botchford got involved with that and how that just turned into the perfect storm to get your account suspended. Okay. You know, I I'm not, I was having a good time, right? And I'm, I'm quite opportunistic sometimes. Like, I take advantage of certain things. So I knew that uh, Francisco was also tweeting things, right? Like, he was kind of vocal. He hasn't been vocal of late, I want to be, obviously. But um, he was being very vocal. I'm like, before I went to bed, I was like, oh, I'll have a bit of fun. Like, I'll just change my name to Francisco, whatever. And I made a poll, right? I said, I do remember it now. It's something like, oh, uh, you know, I care about my fans. I need you guys' opinion. Who should I trade first? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and then it was, I think it was Good Branson, uh, Good Branson, Sutter, and maybe. Sutter. <laughs> I was like, and, I, and then people, I woke up. I woke up in the middle of the night, my mentions were blowing up i ignored it and then i eventually i got suspended but what happened was people were mad at me like how dare you literally my my at says snoop world order stuck on the account my my bio was like my bio was like 30 bc like chilling like i don't know what it was back then but apparently i guess someone ratted me out a couple of snitches whatever it's fine I guess the people were offended. Right? Oh my god! Like, oh my god! It's a fake account. But the responses were hilarious, and Botch got involved too. I think I remember he said something really funny, but it was it was quite, quite amazing because it, it popped off. So it I'm looking. Off. I'm looking at the tweet, and I'll refresh your memory. So somebody okay. replied to it and said, uh, and said, Uh-oh. "This poll is ridiculous." Um, <laughs> Don't you have people in charge to make these decisions for you? No wonder Lyndon left. I wouldn't want you pulling my strings either. And then you said hello, and then you added this person. You're like, I, I value your opinion. Please DM me for free tickets. So did that guy end up DMing you? I thing is, uh, I think I'm called block before he DM me. I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there was another reply. There was another reply, yeah. uh, and then uh, this guy was this guy was like, "This is ridiculous." Same sort of thing. And then at the end, he tagged Jason Botchford, and he said, "At Botchford <laughs> thoughts?" Question mark. And Botch, who obviously <laughs> knew it was a fake account, had a little fun with the guy. And Botch knew with me in the legendary classic Botchford fashion. He replies to the tweet and says, doesn't seem like a good idea, comma, no. And then then you replied to that same guy as Francesco and said, man, I got to keep it together here. And you said, I do what I want, when I want, whenever I want. Don't tweet me ever again. And when I look at that tweet, I just think... If this guy was at work or if he was with his family, if he was just like, what the hell? The owner of the Canucks just tweeted at me and he just said this to me. I can't believe it. You know, you know what? You know what? Uh, it was a perfect storm. It was it was a good time. And whatever I get suspended for it, 
you know, but I built back and here I am. So hopefully I don't get to spend any more. I gotta be more careful about my trolls because uh, people will report me. My favorite. I think that was. <laughs> my favorites when you change there was a, there was a few of them bro. breaking 911 <laughs> when you change your profile picture to that and you just post the most outrageous news stories I think that was when you did the uh, the Surrey BC one and people replied like Surrey's not gonna host the NHL Hub City this is ridiculous <laughs> dude then I, I then I commented back I'm like you're incorrect I'm like uh, <laughs> Surrey has Surrey has a lot of big backyards <laughs> <laughs> oh my you know, it's, it's, Quads, it's all fun and games. You know, I hope everyone gets like, joy out of it. That's all it is. I don't mean to defend anyone, but yeah, I'm like when you get caught, you get caught. I love the fish of it. <laughs> it's all a joke, though. But that, uh, <laughs> that Francisco thing. Maybe I might brew something in the future, but it will never be listening like that. <laughs> oh, man, that that is a classic moment in Canucks Twitter history. Snoop, this was a ton of fun, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Yeah, quads appreciate it and God bless and hope you guys start watching it even more. And maybe we'll connect soon. Hell yeah, man. Thank you. All right, guys, joining us now, returning guest to the show, Mr. Booth underscore seven. Joined us last time uh, along with Chris Conti for the meme episode. So that was a lot of fun. Mr. Booth, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for bringing me back. You know, I was a little surprised when you guys invited me back and you guys had two massive episodes, both with Sal and then with Tony Gallagher, which is fantastic stuff, by the way. And so when you guys asked me, I thought, you know, that's a bit of a, a drop from the ratings, perhaps. You know, you guys hit six <laughs> in the charts. But I was a little surprised, but after hearing the lineup you guys got ready, I think. I think it'll still be a pretty good episode, and I'm excited to be back on. Well, we've got Mr. Booth headlining it. I think you're going to be our closer on this episode. So I think oh, you, well. you, you've got to bring the heat here. So we are oh, going to I'll start. I'll try not to bring you guys two down. <laughs> there you go. So we're going to start right there with the memes, Booth. Your memes are pretty good. We also have some good memers that have been on the show before. As it is on this episode, she will be joining us later on. Actually, I guess she's already joined us by the time we're at this conversation, but I haven't talked to her yet. She's a good memer. Conte is another good memer. Rank your top Canucks memers. Wow. You can include yourself. You can include yourself. I don't know. I feel like I've been a little lazy as of late, in all honesty. Kind of haven't been in my peak. But um, yeah, the two that you named are... Um, a grade right there. Um, I would say an underrated name to add into that list is Vanessa Yang, who yes. does a great job. Um, but we've got a fantastic array of people. I think that uh, we've got a lot of people who like to argue things out, and so it's nice to have a little bit of a, a twist and flavor with a lot of people who like to lighten things up a bit when we need to. Most definitely, and you know, to get off the means for a second, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Uh, in the past week or so with the Brock Bester situation. I know you follow a lot of Vancouver media very closely. How do you think it's played out here with Sakaris reporting it on Friday, uh, Friedman backing it on Tuesday? How do you think it's been going for the past week here with Brock Bester rumors? Man, what a time to talk about Canuck hockey, man. Like, we've got, and finally we've got maybe playoff hockey in, in August. You know, Team Tanks emerged with the shadows with the placeholder <laughs> team and 12.5%. Now, we've got this juicy Brock Bester rumor, like, cook into my veins because feels like for the longest time, my timeline, since I follow mostly sport-based accounts, mostly hockey-based accounts, it's been super dry on the Twitter timeline. Now it's just like, it's back. Everything's back. And so it's a lot to take in, especially with the, the Besser rumor. Uh, it was pretty interesting, honestly. I was a little shocked when I saw it, but uh, not awfully surprised. Uh, you know, with 
with Benning's response to the whole Besser thing, I think the one thing that struck me the most is how many people don't understand GMs. They're forced to lie to the media at some point in time, just like how you know, you've got government authorities. They may have to lie to journalists because there's information that they simply can't disclose. And that's okay, but you know, there's too many fans to think, well, Jim said he isn't moving Brockton for sure. It's not true. It's never going to happen. But you know, if it's like the trade deadline was open, a reporter asking this question just says, I mean, he's waiting on the response from another GM to wrap up a deal. Like, he's not going to reveal that Brock's on the move. But the deal might fall through. And, you know, people would worry about, like, how the timing of the report would psychologically affect Brock going to the playoffs. But, like, if Jim says, yeah, we've discussed trading Brock, like, how do you think that psychologically is going to benefit him? So he's not going to play his part here. Just like, you know, Trelving said he wouldn't deal W. Hamilton. Look what happened. Bergman said he wouldn't deal T.K. Subban. Uh, look what happened. And didn't even take a week for that deal to, to go through with Nashville. Yeah. But, but I will say this. You know, the Canucks response, I was was saying you know, that was a that was a pretty good response and the sticker is fired right back on air and we'll never know if the rumors were true but I liked how the Canucks were quick to shoot it down and fire some shots of their own back and you know when Jim talks you can kind of tell where he's going when he talks with the judge bracket situation you could tell that you know based on his wording it was very clear he wasn't coming back it was very political responses uh very brief responses and you kind of could tell based on the tone of the responses what was going to happen. But, you know, in this response on Monday, Jim got right to the point, fired off on every cylinder, you know, he said the rumors aren't true, we haven't discussed anything regarding Brock to other teams, and we haven't discussed anything about moving him internally, which I'm not sure if, a, if it's a great thing or not, but uh, it was a good response and clearly highlighted how he's a core part of the future. There were no political answers, nothing that was wishy-washy, and uh, there's nothing that makes you go, is there a like hidden meaning to anything he just said. So I was pretty happy with the response, and uh, I'm just hoping it's 100% true. There's nothing to hide here because, man, the stupidest thing you could possibly do right now to relieve yourself of the cap situation is to trade one of your core players. Yeah, I think you're pretty bang on with that analysis. And, you know, when we look at the response the organization gave, I really look at, you know, that was a good response. He's obviously not going to come out and say, oh, that darn Matt Sakaris, great reporting by him. He's bang on here. He obviously wasn't going to say that. But what I really liked was Brock Besser's response. And I was, again, Drance pointed that out as well. Like right in the moment, he, uh, right when we finished up the Zoom call, he came up, uh, me and Harmon were sitting behind him. And he uh, he comes up, he's like, I really liked that response from Brock. That was awesome. He he did great there. Uh, that was that was a really good response. Tell him how you feel. And I mean, yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. Like he did a great job in telling everybody how he actually felt about the rumor. And you know, he did say it was unnecessary, which we've talked about in other conversations. Doesn't really hold a ton of water just because you can't really. Reporters aren't really worried about when they're getting information. They're gonna report it when they get information like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I personally thought it was, it was a good response by both the team and the player. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if Matt doesn't report that, then someone else is going to pick up on the scoop. So, I mean, it's kind of his job. It's, uh, the timing is odd, but again, if he doesn't report it, someone else will. So a lot of people are trying to, uh, drive their, you know, their, oh, well, this can't be true. This is just made up in order to, you know, to, get things going because, you know, maybe there's no news. Well, there's already plenty of news because hockey is coming back. So there's no reason to stir the pot here. And you know, if he doesn't report that, it doesn't really make a difference if he reports it or Elliot reports it. At the end of the day, 
when you're in the industry for so long, you make certain connections. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly wouldn't doubt Matt. The last time I doubted him was with the Jonathan Dolan situation. And boy, was I wrong. And, uh, unfortunately so, because he was gone basically a week later. And, uh, so, you know, I, I think that a lot of fans need to realize that while it was a good response by Benning, there may be some, some truth there and hopefully, you know, nothing materializes. That's, that's all we can do with fans. Speaking of news, the big news of the week is Jack Rathbone signing with the team. What are your thoughts on this signing? And are you are you as excited as everybody else is to see this kid in the Canucks lineup? I just hope, no, I saw a bunch of nicknames floating around. And I thought one was <laughs> great. Jay Bone is absolutely fantastic. But Boner, like, really? Like, we're, we're not going to call him that. Come on, please, please. We cannot possibly call him Boner. <laughs> but it's Jay Bone or nothing. But, you know, I'm pretty excited about that. Like, that's. That's a big asset to bring in, you know. If if the Canucks don't get their their NCAA prospect signed, I mean, you know, they'll be they'll be fans with pitchforks by by Griffiths uh, or Rogers Arena. So I mean, it's a it's a big signing. It's a it's a big move for the organization, and hopefully, you know, he's going to challenge for a for a spot next year with Yo Levy. I don't know who is going to fill in that bottom pairing LHC role next year. Whether Ben comes back, whether he moves, whether Santorin Berger's back. So there's going to be some some competition there and he might pull up for etcetera and then nap that squad who knows well first of all mr booth thank you for giving us our episode title with j bone or nothing that is definitely what the episode will be called <laughs> uh as as for moving on with that situation the other guy that's kind of stuck out for me in camp was Olya levy he looked like he was skating very well uh looked healthy uh, i'm curious what you think the the future for this kid is because you know, is he going to have to report to Utica for another year next year? Is he going to jump right into the NHL because we are maybe losing a guy like Jordy Ben? But now with Rathbone signing, you know, that doesn't, it seems like Rathbone would jump Yulevi on the depth charts. So it does it kind of just forcefully put Oli Yulevi in the AHL next year, do you think? Probably. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for Oli is just to try to find a way to, to stay healthy and, to, you know, keep up with the pace of an entire season and uh, and go from there, honestly. He's never going to live up to his draft ranking. He's never going to be Matthew Kachuk. So we can just put that out the window. The only thing I think we can hope for is for him to find a way to get Steve going and be in the AHL. I think it's pretty obvious a guy who's as smooth skating as, as Rathlon, or maybe not, but we'll see. But I think you know Rathlon's going to find a way with his, with his skating ability. And um, as long as he doesn't get injured, find a way to surpass your levy on the depth chart. The biggest thing for Ole is just... Uh, to find his footing again and to and to work on a 82 game pace so that he can you know one day be able to tip into the NHL lineup. Yeah, most definitely. That that is that's the number one thing for him, of course. Just needing to be able to stay healthy, and then maybe you start to go from there. See if he has enough skill. But um, I guess the other thing I wanted to ask, and we've asked a couple of these uh, people that we've interviewed this question: the number one thing that you miss from Canucks hockey right now is it? Somebody going bar down? Is it you know the Quinn Hughes spin moves, or is it something about Louis Erickson? What do you miss about the Canucks right now? Oh man, well that's a tough one. I mean, it's not really one thing that you can pinpoint. It's just uh, the whole excitement and the buzz of it all that that it brings. You know, I mean, uh, you really don't know what what you're getting yourself into when you sit down and get ready to watch Canucks game. And we've seen all sorts of odd things happen this season, especially with the Louis storyline and um, you know, everything else that's gone on. Fans chanting, we want 10. You know, the one game that I missed this season, I'm really bummed that I missed it was the Boston game. That that mm-hmm. really pissed me off so far because, man, I, I really want to see that game. Um, but, you know, like we've had a lot of surprises this year and it's just 
the whole excitement and buzz of it all. We don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. A lot of guys are going to be in their first ever postseason, or I should say, uh, playoff qualification, whatever you want to call it. But I think a lot of guys are going to be fired up and ready to go, especially not only the stars that we have, but some of the guys further down the depth chart who really want to make an impact in the, the small amounts of ice time that they have. So it's nice to have that kind of excitement and buzz back and all the, all the videos. I know you guys are doing a lot of great work and videos up on Twitter, training camp and everything. And uh, it's nice. It's really nice to have that back. And you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And um, that whole kind of suspense of it all to see what's going to happen against Minnesota it's really exciting, honestly, for him. Yeah, it's it's damn exciting, and a playoff run would be would be incredible for this team. But I think for your Twitter page specifically, the Canucks landing that first overall pick, what would that mean for Mister Booth underscore seven on Twitter? Well, I'd have to get to work, man. That's, <laughs> kind of, that's kind of my call to get busy. Man, oh man, that would that would be huge. I mean, look at the end of the day, the you know the pieces are going to have to fall in where they do, right? I mean. As a fan, you can't really, can't really control any outcome. But to get left on the air would be a pretty damn sweet consolation prize for for losing against Minnesota, um, which you know I hope that doesn't happen. I, I mean, I I think we'll be able to, to take care of them. But should that not, if we do finally crack the code and break the curse and uh, get a, a generational talent like Lafreniere and put him next to other stuff for the next ten years, I mean that's just this franchise altering and so that's another thing I think a lot of fans just don't understand with the exception of a few people um you know most fans want this team to win but if and you know if it doesn't work out then you know we're hoping for the chance of look here even more because that can make us into uh premier Stanley Cup contender year after year and not just a one and done Cinderella run so you know, either way, I think we should just be excited again. As I mentioned about, you know, the excitement and buzz, and we should be excited for, for what's to come. And if we get Lafreniere or not, you know, I think uh, hopefully just the chips will fall in play. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if we get him, that would be absolutely huge. I <laughs> don't know how I would react. I was wondering if you had, like, a go-to meme ready for this one or one of these videos that you post. <laughs> no, usually, you know, I just, whenever news breaks, I just... Uh, spend about a couple minutes whatever comes to my mind first and uh, just get it up there I'm not really as uh actually I put this not really as time consuming as you make it out to be <laughs> but um but yeah you know if, if we get them man I'll I'll be ready I'll be ready to be at work yeah most definitely that'll be a lot of fun and, and I just wonder because you know you sound like a guy who's missed hockey a lot you sound like you've missed a lot of sports in general um just getting to see you know like I've been able to be at training camp and cover it I the feeling that I get when I walk in that rink is just you know something that I've had taken away from me for the past few months and you know as a guy who's consuming it right now what do you think uh when you start to see all these updates coming from training camp whether it be guys on the ice or just anything like how does it feel as a as a hockey fan to kind of feel that hockey's just around the corner here now that we're back to training camp um it's, it's weird you know usually you'd be pretty excited when when august and september comes we've got normal training camp and yeah. uh everyone's back and you're excited for the season to start after a, a few months of rest and now you know, with with all the extenuating circumstances that there are it's, it's a bit strange and you know from one perspective, I mean, playoff hockey in August. Like, are you kidding me? Like, please, please give it to me. But, you know, it, there's a lot of concerns that we should have. I mean, 
I don't know if there are any other leagues who are operating as the NHL is with the whole unfit to play saga that's mm-hmm. got going for themselves there. We have no idea what's going on, which is it's awfully strange because you know with the NBA, like they're not doing that even for their their star players. So it's awfully bizarre, and we don't know if problems arise in the hub cities how the NHL is going to handle it. You know, Bonnie Henry wasn't willing to take those risks, and that's why. We don't have a uh, playoff hockey in Vancouver, but, you know, I don't know how the deal is, how, well, you know, how the league is going to handle uh, those circumstances if they come about because these are unprecedented times. So, you know, as a hockey fan, I'm like, I'm absolutely excited. You know, it doesn't get any better than this. But at the same time, the circumstances are tricky. You just, you hope for the best, but, you know, you can't help but be a little skeptical that things just might not work out as planned. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I kind of want to go back a few weeks to the Hub City drama. You know, Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, shared that glorious video of, quote unquote, Edmonton. Wait, are you, are you talking about Alberta or Hawaii there? Alberta. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, oh my oh, wow. gosh. Those memes. I thought it was just a paradise with all these beautiful <laughs> mountains in the city. <laughs> oh my gosh. those The memes that came out of that were absolutely wonderful. Like, those were so funny. But anyways, I want to go back to that, you know. Vancouver was in the bid, and you mentioned Bonnie Henry there, didn't really want to bend the rules. And I think the the mood around the city and what I was hearing from Canucks fans that I was speaking to was, who cares? Like, I want my city to be safe, first and foremost. And if the woman who has kept us safe and done such a huge part in the success that we've had in slowly reopening everything and getting life semi back to normal, if she says it's not okay and that there's a problem there, I'm on board with that. I don't care where hockey's played. I have to watch it in my house anyway. It wasn't like fans were going to be going to the arena. So are you of that same mindset or were you really hoping that Vancouver was going to be a hub city? You know, when you just said that, it made me realize that Vancouver fans haven't won anything in so long, whether it be the Stanley Cup or the draft lottery. It's like, it was such a huge deal to win the Hub City bid as if, you know, it's like the Stanley Cup final spot. Like, okay, calm down. You know, if playoff hockey doesn't come to Vancouver, it's no big deal. At the end of the day, we're all going to be watching it from our television sets. It really shouldn't make that much of a difference. Uh, just a couple of our hotels are going to be occupied with all these NHL players. I would probably be more opinionated about this if we were dealing with a league like the NBA and with all the infractions that I've had to give out uh, recently because of all the players bending the rules and uh, you know I can already see all the guys ordering DoorDash and trying to get out of the hub just to pick it up. It's absolutely hilarious but I, I think the NHL is, is a little bit different so uh, you know I, I just can't see certain maybe, maybe some guys might bend the rules but I, I just can't see a lot of the guys going that far uh, to do that. So I, I wasn't really that concerned, but at the same time, I mean, it's, you know, if another city wants to take that on, then I'm all for it. You know, I think in Vancouver, we've, we've done a pretty good job of uh, containing the virus and, you know, no reason to take any unnecessary risks, especially if something, you know, if some, uh, something breaks out in one of the hubs, uh, hub hotels. And, you know, with the NHL's plans, especially, you know, since Vegas was, just down to the wire there, like they they were almost selected. Um, I think they probably would have been if the players didn't butt in and say, "Oh, we probably don't want to risk that." But you know, I, I think it's for the best that uh, it's not in Vancouver. But hey, you know, I mean, some fans uh, think about it as a, as a big deal. So 
kudos to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. There's just too much beautiful ocean views in, in Edmonton. Like, how could they say no to that? So, uh, oh, yeah. Mr. Booth, we will wrap it up there. Um, is there anything else you wanted to close out with before we, uh, before we finish this conversation? Uh, not much, you know. I mean, uh, I'm just glad that playoff hockey is, is coming back. I think a lot of fans on, on Twitter just need, to, just need to have that same mindset where, you know, they're not in control of the team. They're not in control of the, of the trade rumors. You know, settle back, grab a beer or some popcorn or whatever mm-hmm. and just uh, enjoy it while we have it, you know. And if, if you can't uh, take a few hours without being on Twitter and uh, firing back at everyone who doesn't share the same takes uh, about professional hockey, club billion dollar organization by the way that really doesn't care that much about you as you think uh maybe should maybe should you know take a trip outside where we actually do have the rockies unlike edmonton and have some nice scenery with the ocean and everything so um yeah that's my last take and uh guys for the playoffs hell yeah we'll wrap it up there mr booth thanks for doing this and uh yeah we might have you on again in the future man thanks for uh thanks for coming back on an old school canucks combo episode always down to come back thanks for having me guys